And we are on air for Fan for Racing Radio. Uh, tonight we are doing the Sonoma and Iowa NASCAR Weekend Preview along with our Hot Topic Sound Off. We're going to start with some short track racing news in the first half hour. Uh, and then we're going to get into two previews for the Arkham Art Series. Uh, one preview is for the race out at Iowa Speedway this weekend for ARCA, ARCA East, and the Sioux Chief Showdown. The other is the ARCA West. They're racing out at Sonoma Raceway this weekend. So uh, a big ARCA weekend this uh, weekend, two different uh, areas of the country. Uh, then we at 9 o'clock, I do have some pre-race audio from Haley Deacon. She is the driver of the number one, David Gilliland Racing Ford. And uh, she has some interesting takes on what it's like racing in the truck series. So uh, definitely looking forward to uh, listening to that. And then uh, Jay and I will respond to what she says. And I've got a feeling it might be a hot topic here tonight. So we'll see. Uh, At 9.15, we're going to get into the truck series race at Sonoma Raceway and preview that race. Uh, the Xfinity Series is not racing this weekend, but we do have some updates that should come around 9.30 p.m. Eastern. And then at 9.45, we'll get into the Cup Series race at Sonoma Raceway and the preview there. Uh, 10 o'clock, of course, is our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And tonight, I believe, we'll have Jay Hughesman and Tommy Kraft on board uh, to talk about our Hot Topics here tonight. Joining me now is our co-host for tonight, and that, of course, is Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Well, that's a, that's a lot of racing going on. Uh, that's how much racing it is, just talking about what we're all going to talk about. Take several <laughs> minutes just to even go down the list of what's going on this weekend. And we haven't even started with our short track racing action yet. And there is a ton of that going on as well. Yeah, we've already got some results uh, on some of it. So, uh, and another race that's taking place as we speak. So uh, maybe we can update throughout the night here. But, uh, yeah, let's get right into the short track racing. I did see on Twitter uh, that William Byron won the, uh, uh, oh, what's it called now, the 150 uh, – Oh, Is that the money, money in, the, in bank? the bank. Yeah, the money yeah, in Berlin, the bank. Yeah, Berlin, okay. Yes, at Berlin Raceway, that was won by William Byron. And then there's a, a winner. I don't have it here now, but they already know who won the feature race uh, to get into uh, the Eldora Million. That's taking place here tonight, too. Uh, so uh, we'll kind of watch and see if we can see any news on who wins that Eldora Million tonight. Uh, but well, uh, a I lot can, of I can give I can give you one date uh, from from Meridian, Mississippi. Spencer Hughes went from 17th to second in a B main to get in. So uh, oh, uh, awesome. friend of Chase Purdy's who we had on Monday night. Yeah, Mr. Excitement, Spencer Hughes out of Meridian, Mississippi. How about that? I'm sure Chase is happy about that as well. Uh, so, yes, it's going to be fun to see what happens uh, in that race. Uh, but there's more racing that's coming up this weekend as well. Well, and you're talking about, and I hadn't seen the actual results. I know the uh, the Berlin race there, you were talking about the money in the bank. 
got postponed until uh, until tonight. tonight. And there were several, several uh, obviously William Byron uh, being affected by that as he will then travel out to California, as well as when we get to the West Series, I believe one of the spotters was running in that race as well. Derek Neal, um, yeah. And then headed out to, yeah, there you go, um, headed out to California as well, so. Yeah, so this is a busy week for a lot of these drivers. Uh, it, it, you know, I, I think it explains why it's so tough drivers on the show anymore. Uh, they are doing so much racing during the week and then on the weekend. Uh, they have busy, busy schedules. Uh, but uh, it's really great to see them racing. Uh, I got to tell you, it's been a lot of fun. It is, and I know uh, I'm not sure what the logistics of it are. There's another uh, dirt track late model driver uh, talking about the Eldora Million. Um, that's going to be traveling back and forth between Eldora and here at Columbus for that uh, Southern All-Stars, sorry, Southern All-Star Series race, traveling back and forth between the two, um, trying to juggle that. Uh, So, again, that's how important some of these races are, some big money races, some hometown races they want to be at. Uh, We see that. uh, I'm glad to see some of these drivers willing to make that commitment. Exactly right. The Southern Super Series is preparing to rumble at Montgomery as well. The rumble at the River 125 uh, is a close points battle, so that's going to be a big one. You've got uh, 13 points separating Bubble Pollard, Stephen Nassi, Hunter Robbins, Jake Garcia, Matthew Craig, uh, Jackson Boone, uh, all within 100 points. Uh, And so these guys want to shake that up a bit, I think. Another one of the big races for Montgomery Speedway, you, you mentioned um, that series, I believe, goes there three or four times. I've been to the Rattler. I've been to Montgomery for the Rattler, not for this uh, this Rumble, uh, but an excellent facility. So if you get the opportunity, definitely a track and a race you want to check out. And Bubba Pollard and Steve Nasty, uh, I don't know if I'd rank it up there with Denny Hamlin and Ross Chastain right now, but uh, they've had their on-track uh, discussions. Uh, so, yeah, you might want to check that out over at Racing America, uh, one of the events that they're covering this weekend. And then if we look at uh, uh, the schedule here for, uh, at Flow Racing, again, just a ton of racing. Live right now is the Eldora Million at Eldora Speedway. Also, the USAC Indiana Midget Week uh, at Lincoln Park Speedway and the Money in the Bank. 150 at Berlin Raceway is in the books already, uh, and uh, all live at Fan uh, Racing. At Flow Racing, uh, you can watch those live streams and replays. But there's more to happen yet this weekend. Well, and I tell you what, the Eldora, I mean, that one, you've got to list it as a bucket race. If you're a dirt track racer, uh, the million especially. Now, I got to go to Eldora for the NASCAR Truck Series race, as well as the Big Block Modified. That is, again, one of those facilities. I mean, you just got to be and visit one time just to see and understand. We talked about it the other night. Still got the same concession stand prices, 2 $3 for most of their stuff. A uh, phenomenal facility that Tony Stewart has carried on the tradition um, there at Eldora. Yes, indeed. Um, there, there is uh, Eldora is owned 
uh, we should just mention this, Eldora is owned by Tony Stewart. And uh, so he's a big draw to that track as well. But they've done just a fantastic job of bringing uh, different series to that racetrack. And the promotion that they do for those races is really amazing. It, it is. And I say getting to visit uh, there for the NASCAR Cam- Camping World Truck Series when they were still running there. The the one race I never got to go to, they used to have the prelude to the dream um, when the mm-hmm. cup drivers. Uh, yeah, I was in Japan at that time, and it, I could never quite make it the year I was home and was able to was a uh, year before was their final year, and they never uh, got it going again. So, unfortunately, I never made it to that. Uh, that would have been quite interesting. It was a thrill to watch on Flow Racing. Yes, indeed. Uh, I know that uh, uh, it used to be on DirecTV, that prelude to the dream. And uh, fans oh, yeah, on pay-per-view, yep. Yep, yep. Okay, we're going to go ahead and move on now. We've got two big races coming up in the Arca Menard Series. We're going to start with the Arca West race. Uh, that is actually going to take place, the General Tire 200 at Sonoma Raceway, on Saturday, June the 11th at 11.20 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 2.20 p.m. Eastern Time. It will be available for live streaming on Flow Racing. There will also be radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM, uh, XM Channel 391, and uh, online channel 981. And then there's radio coverage that's also available at at com. This is an 11-turn, 1.99-mile road course. They'll be racing 64 laps. And Friday, June the 10th, that's tomorrow, they'll have practice and qualifying at 4.05 to 5.15 Pacific time. And Saturday, June 11th, uh, again, the start of the General Tire 200 is at 11.30 a.m. local time. So uh, there's a lot. Uh, going on in the Arca West uh, and uh, some drivers to watch in this race. Well, as they head down the road from Portland to uh, Sonoma, as you mentioned, one thing we will have a, we won't have a repeat winner. Saturday's race is uh, the fifth of 11 on the West series schedule. And this year and the 43rd time the series has competed at Sonoma raceway. Now, his current NASCAR Cup Series star and 2016 Arkham Nard Series champion Chase Briscoe that made his West Series debut, debut a successful one last year. But uh, this year, it's going to be look a little different. Yes, indeed. Jake Drew will look to carry the momentum uh, from his first Arkham Nard Series West victory last weekend on a road course at Portland International Raceway into the General Tire 200 this weekend at Sonoma. Now, Drew leads the West Series standings by just 14 points. After four races, he started from the pole last season at Sonoma and finished seventh in his debut at the scenic California race road course. Um, now, the field for Saturday's race will also include at least three Camping World Truck Series drivers who are looking to gain more road course experience. They include Kobe Howard, Dean Thompson and Jack Wood. You know, I thought we might see a couple more like we saw Briscoe, but we also, when we get to mm-hmm. the truck series, we'll see some of the uh, other drivers in that one. So continuing yes. here, though, with the West Series, 
Uh, fresh off a third place result at, at Portland, it'll be Todd Souza's to attempt to improve by two positions at Sonoma. He has six top 10 finishes already at the 1.99 mile track, uh, including a fifth place last season. And another driver off a strong run, that's Takuma Koga. And he hopes to carry that momentum of the General Tire 200. Uh, Koga matched a career-best finish of fifth last weekend at Portland. He was 11th last year at Sonoma. Uh, Also, Bridget Burgess, who matched her career-best finish of seventh last Saturday at Portland, is attempting to do even better this week at Sonoma. She scored an eighth-place finish last season in her long start at Sonoma today. Uh, now, more West Series regulars who will be in the action include Tanner Rice, Austin Herzog, Joey East, Cole Moore, P.J. Pedrinselli, and um, <clears throat> there's uh, also some other drivers in addition to the Camping World Truck Series competitors, Jay. Yeah, I mentioned one of them. Uh, we got a couple of uh, Ryan Philpont. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Ryan Philpont. Uh, Rod Nealon, and then Brian Comiskey, as they're all expected to make their season debut with the West Series at Sonoma. And some other notable entries, Sebastian Aries, Dale Quarterly, Nick Joambies, Tim Spurgeon, and Vince Little. I noticed a lot of them were from California. want to make that home track start. Yeah, I'm going to uh, uh, repronounce. It's Nick Joannides. Joannides? Okay, I wasn't sure if I had that one right. Yeah, uh, so we'll go ahead and cover the complete list. Uh, it's pretty big. I don't know if you can. Let's try to catch the ones that haven't been mentioned, Jay, starting from the bottom up. Uh, we'll go two by two. All right, well, in the zero four, you're gonna there you're going to have Eric Nascimento, a junior, uh, comes out of California, Montero, California, uh, driving it for himself and Mike Nascimento as his crew chief. And then the Bill McAnally machine, number 99, Cole Moore out of Orangegale, California. Uh, That one obviously contending for that championship. Yeah, from Cincinnati, South Carolina, Colby Howard will be driving the 91 uh, McAnally Toyota. And Bridget Burgess, we mentioned her from Brisbane, Australia. She'll be in that number 88 Chevrolet uh, for her uh, team. Her mama, of course, uh, uh, will be the crew chief. All right. Well, we hit the names. The 86 is Tim Spurgeon in his self-owned uh, Chevrolet. And then Vince Little, again, self-owned machine out of Madero, California. He'll be in the 85. In the number 80 is Brian Kaminsky from Cottonwood, California. He'll be driving uh, their, uh, his own race team, Chevrolet. Derek Copeland will be on the pit box. And in the 77 is Nick Joannides from Northridge, California, driving uh, the Toyota Dave McKenzie on his pit box. We mentioned Rod Nealon. He's bringing his own it's number 68 Chevrolet uh, home, if you will, because it lists him from Sonoma, California. And Joey East, uh, Mike Naki owned Ford, the number 52. Another one out of Madero, California. That's a popular spot there. Yeah, Joey East is in the 54. And the 52 is Ryan Philpott from Livermore, California. He'll be driving a Toyota for his own race team. 
And, uh, boy, this is a juicy for the crew chief. Uh, uh, I'm just going to say juicy does here. In uh, the number 40 is uh, Dean Thompson from Anaheim, California. He'll be driving the Nice Chevrolet with Joe Lax on the pit box. Tanisha Tuttle will be the crew chief for Andrew Tuttle in the cell phone number 39, Gearhead Coffee Chevrolet. He comes out of Caldwell, Idaho. And then we got one of the Pedronicillis, PJ Pedronicilli from Sonoma, California, in the cell phone number 33, Chevrolet. Yeah, you're adding an extra syllable there. It's Pedronicilli. So, um, in the number 32, Dale Quarterly from Westfield, um, Massachusetts, he'll be driving uh, his team's Chevrolet, and Alex Quarterly will be on top of the pit box. Uh, Paul Pedrincelli will be driving the number 31 from Sonoma, California. I'm sure they're going to be looking for a nice win. I don't know how Rod's going to do this, but he's also going to be the crew chief for the Paul Pedrincelli. And you got the number 21 Toyota. That is Jack Wood coming out of Loomis, California, in the Cook's Collision Machine. Ackerman listed as the crew chief. Tom Ackerman listed as the crew chief. And out of Ocean Isle Beach, North Carolina, coming a long way, that is Landon Lewis in the number 17. Crew chief on that Chevrolet is going to be Amber Slagle. That's kind of cool. And the number 16 for Bill McAnally Racing is Austin Herzog. From Clovis, California, Charlie Wilson on top of the pit box, and Michael Munoz will be on top of the pit box for the uh, Kelly Souza Toyota, Todd Souza behind the wheel of the number 13 from Aromas, California. Coming from Henderson, Nevada, that'll be Tanner Reef in the number nine, Bob Brumcotti owned uh, Sunrise <laughs> Racing Ford, Jeff Schrader as the crew chief. And we mentioned Takuma Koga. He's in the number seven Toyota of Jerry Pitts, owner and crew chief. Jake Drew will be behind the wheel of the Sunrise Racing uh, number six. He hails from Fullerton, California. Bill Sedgwick will be on top of the pit box. And Mike Nassimanto will also be crew chief for the number four Toyota uh, for their team. Uh, and Sebastian Arias will be behind the wheel. He hails from Bogota, Colombia. And if I if I counted them up correctly, I believe it is 24 entries, a big full field for the Arkham Menards West Series here at Sonoma Raceway. Yes, indeed. Uh, it's going to be a big race out there at Sonoma. But there's another big race that's going to be taking place this weekend. It's going to be the Calypso Lemonade 150 out at Iowa Speedway here in the Midwest. That's also taking place on Saturday, June the 11th at 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern. And that uh, race will be televised on MAP TV if you have that. If not, you can still watch live streaming on Flow Racing. There will also be radio coverage at ArcaRacing.com. The track is a .875 mile paved oval. They'll be racing for 150 laps. Saturday, June 11th, they have a practice scheduled for 4.15 p.m. to 5 p.m. Central. And then the general tire, tire pole qualifying 
takes place at 6 p.m. Central. The start of the Calypso Lemonade 150 again is 8 p.m. local time. So uh, this is another race. We've got three different series uh, racing. One race in all three series will accumulate points. And that's right. You mentioned it. It's stars of two ARCA divisions for three different point series as they head to Iowa Speedway for that Calypso Lemonade 150. And it's the first time this season that we've seen the Arkham Menard Series team up with the Arkham Menard Series East for a combination race event. It'll be Saturday night at Iowa Speedway. Now, this is their sixth race on the Arkham Menard Series schedule and fifth race from the East Series. The event is also the second race of the Sioux Chief Showdown, uh, and that series that brings together the best of the Arkham Menard Series, Arkham Menards East, and Arkham Menard Series West. We'll see some of those drivers uh, when it comes to the entry list. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is the 16th time that the Arkham Menard Series has visited Iowa Speedway, and the 20th time that the East Series has raced at the track located in Newton, Iowa. Both divisions teamed up to compete at Iowa Speedway last year. Ty Gibbs emerged as the winner at Iowa for the second straight season. So uh, with five races complete and 15 still to go, Roger Carruth finds himself alone at the top of the uh, point standings in the Arkham and Art Series at, uh, heading into Iowa. He remains in search of his first ARCA triumph, something he's hoping to cross off his bucket list this Saturday night. If he hopes to do that, he'll have to defeat the most recent ARCA Menard Series winner, and that's uh, Brandon Jones. And Jones, who reached victory lane in his return to ARCA competition two weeks ago at Charlotte Motor Speedway, he's making his second of an expected five series starts at Iowa Speedway in the number 81 Toyota. He has one previous ARCA start at Iowa, which resulted in an 11th place finish, and that was back in 2015. Now, E-Series championship leader, Sammy Smith, he will join Jones as a Kyle Busch Motorsports teammate at Iowa. Smith has won three of the four E-Series races run this season, and he'll attempt to collect his first ARCA Menard Series triumph during this Saturday's combination event. Now, Smith will be joined by East Series title rival, and that's Taylor Gray, uh, who will again pilot the number 17 Ford for David Gilliland Racing at Iowa Speedway. In two previous starts at Iowa, Gray has never finished worse than fifth, so he's going to be one to watch. Nick Sanchez, who has two victories in five starts this year for Rev Racing in ARCA competition, He's going to look to improve upon his fifth-place finish last year at Iowa. GMS Racing's Daniel Dye is fresh off his first road course race last weekend at Portland in the West Series competition. He finished second last year at Iowa and will be among those contenders uh, to watch this weekend. But there's more. Uh, That's right. There's more, and it's a Venturini Motorsports as they are bringing four cars to Iowa Speedway. That'll include Tony Breidinger, Jesse Love, Connor Jones, and Jonathan Schaefer. Uh, they're set to tackle this tricky 0.875-mile oval. Now, Love is the only member of the group who has raced at Iowa in ARCA competition. 
And other entries for Iowa, that will include Leland Honeyman, Leland Honeyman Jr., Amber Balcane, Greg Van Alst, Zachary Tinkle, Tim Richmond, and Alex Club, along with others. I believe this entry list had 23 on it. Okay, it's a it's another big entry list. Uh, we'll go ahead and make sure everybody knows what cars these drivers will be driving. I'll go ahead and start this one. Zachary Kinkle will be in the 06. He hails from Speedway, Indiana. Uh, he'll be driving the Chevrolet for Wayne Peterson Racing. And Alex Club from Morris, Illinois, will be behind the wheel of the 03 Ford for their race team. Brian Club will be on top of the pit box as Wayne Peterson is on top of the pit box for Zachary Kinkle. Repeat the name Leland Honeymoon. He's in the 02 Chevrolet for Tyler Young. Andrew Abbott will be his crew chief coming out of Mooresville, North Carolina. And then out of Pennsylvania, Shepton, Pennsylvania, comes Stephanie Moyer in the 01. She drives for uh, Hillenburg, and that one will be in a Toyota with Tim Monroe calling the shots. In the number 81 is Brandon Jones from Atlanta, Georgia. He'll be driving the Toyota for Gibbs Racing. And Jeff Meandering is his crew chief. Dave Lanier is the crew chief for the Venturini-owned number 55, driven by Jonathan Schaefer from Ashland, Ohio. From Shelbyville Township, Michigan, we have the Brad Smith self-owned machine, number 48. Terry Strange will be his crew chief. And then Ron Vandermeyer, Jr., out of Sheridan, Illinois. Uh, I don't know where that is located by you, Sharon, but Sheridan, <laughs> Illinois, driver. Uh, the number 44 Ford, owned by Jeff McClure, as well as crew chief by him. Okay. Daniel Dye will be in that uh, number 43. He hails from... Here in Florida, he'll be driving the Chevrolet for GMS racing. Chad Bryant will be on top of the pit box. And Jim Long is on top of the pit box for Greg Van Alf. And he'll be driving the number 35 Ford, uh, Greg Hills from Anderson, Indiana. Amber Balkin is the next driver. That's right. And she comes uh comes from the north, the way north. I come from the north, but she's coming a little further out of Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Amber Balcane drives the number 30 Icon Ford for Mark Rett, who's going to crew chief it as well. And then Daryl Phillips will be calling the shots for Tim Richmond. He comes out of Ottawa, not Canada, Ottawa, Illinois, in the number 27 <laughs> Circle Track Warehouse Chevrolet owned by Dave Richmond. Believe it or not, I was in Ottawa last night, so uh, made a little trip out that way. Okay, driving number 25 for Venturini Motorsports is Tony Breidinger from Hillsboro, California. She'll be, uh, her crew chief is Kevin Reed, Jr., and then the number 23 for Stacey Holmes uh, is Connor Mosack from Charlotte, North Carolina. Shane Huffman is on top of his pit box. Well, we see a Redwood City, California driver, a West Series champion, not there in the West, but here in Iowa, Jesse Love, as he's got the opportunity in the number 20 Billy Venturini uh, machine. Shannon Roosh will be the crew chief. And then we mentioned Sammy Smith, and he's right there out of Johnston, Iowa, in the TMC Kyle Busch Motorsports Toyota. Crew chief there, big name, Mark McFarlane. 
That's right. Uh, Chad Johnson is the crew chief for the David Gilliland Ford. The number 17 will be driven by Taylor Gray from Denver, North Carolina. In the number 15 is Connor Jones for Billy Venturini. Uh, Connor comes from Fredericksburg, Virginia. And Kevin Reed is on top of the pit box for him. Well, we went way north. Let's go way south. D.L. Wilson comes out of Mark, Texas. He's in the number 12 Hillenburg Toyota, Dick Delhaney, as the crew chief. And a pairing we see quite often, Mike Schrauf in the number 11 Hillenburg Chevrolet as the crew chief. Out of West Fargo, North Dakota, is Bryce Haugenberg. Driving the number 10 Toyota for Hillenburg is Tanner Allen from Springville, Iowa. And Steve Barton is his crew chief. Brad Parrott is on top of the pit box for the Max Siegel Rev Racing uh, number six Chevrolet for Roger Carruth out of Washington, D.C. The other Rev Racing machine of Siegels will be crew chiefed by Matt Boucher. It's the number two of Nick Sanchez as he comes out of Miami, Florida to pick up that Chevrolet and contend for this championship with his teammate and Daniel Dye for sure. Yes, indeed. Uh, this is going to be uh, some big racing here. You've got all of the four series in the Arkham and Art series accumulating points this weekend, so uh, you don't want to miss the action this weekend at both Iowa Speedway and Sonoma Raceway. We're going to go ahead and move on now to our uh, pre-race audio. Uh, I have some pre-race audio here from Haley Deegan. I will say uh, she does talk here. Uh, they talk about the, her aggressive scale uh, in the truck series and then uh, a little bit about what happened last weekend. And Haley gives her take. Uh, I'm going to try to make this only seven or eight minutes. It might go just a little bit longer because she gives some pretty uh, detailed answers here. So uh, with that, uh, let's go ahead and hear what Haley Deegan has to say. She drives the number one for David Gilliland Racing. All of you joining us on today's call, we are uh, here with driver Haley Deegan, driving the number one Monster Energy Ford F-150 in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, which heads to Sonoma Raceway for the first time since 1998. It's going to be good to see those trucks out there at Sonoma, double-headed with the Cup weekend. Um, so Haley joining us here for the next 15, 20 minutes. If you've got a question for Haley, raise your hand, and we'll get to as many questions as we can. Uh, let's get started here. Let's start with Claire B. Claire, why don't you get us started here? Okay. Well, Haley, you know, I know there's been this whole thing about you being aggressive and not taking it from people but still being smart. Where are you on that right now? I mean, it's been so crazy in the truck series, and I've been watching you as we all have. Talk to us about it. Yeah, it's been it's really crazy in the truck series. I feel like there's just there's a lot that happens during these races, a lot of Okay. 
weekend and what happened? Because you were kind of the center of a little bit going on there. Well, you have a little retribution towards you. Yeah. Uh, are you talking about uh, the video? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think that what initially all started it is I was, it happened going to turn one, kind of going to turn one, I was kind of hitting on the 42 uh, left rear and trying to pull back um, for an exit into the corner. And I think when I did that, I was just so close to the 42 that the rear, because of the zero and everything, the rears are out a little bit more. And I think it just barely got into freezing. But it was enough to kind of like upset my truck and kind of put me a little bit into the 42. So I, I didn't mean to do anything to the 42 at all the reason, but it was just kind of like more of a racing situation. Yeah, it could be a lot, a lot, a lot yeah. of that. 
Okay, I'm going to go ahead and stop it there. It's a little short of the seven minutes. Uh, but, Jay, what are your thoughts about what she has to say here? Well, if you've ever heard uh, any of her interviews, she is not one to shy away from her opinions on things, uh, whether that be how it's being raced, how NASCAR is being run, what they ought to do. So I admire that. Um, the one thing I think, to me, I think it comes from coming from the off-road trucks and a combination then of short track racing. And I know we talked about this when she started in the Arkham Menard series. West, aggressive driver, short track racing, lends itself to that. Her victories, uh, I believe the first two came with a bit of a bump and a run, uh, aggressive driving. You, know, you don't want to see that. And she mentioned uh, Ross Chastain, obviously the one in the news here as of late. Um, hmm <laughs> There's an acceptable level to it, but as you move up, especially if it's not a short track race and 55 or whatever lap Ross threw out there maybe isn't the time to be doing it. If you're going for the checkered flag coming down the line, that's one thing. So I think that's one aspect or two aspects of it. Where she came from, uh, you know, the, again, as you move up in these levels and the tracks are different, you got to be aware of that. The other thing, and I, and I don't want to say this any kind of bad way, but we've heard drivers talk about it. When you move from racing from 20th to 30th up into the top 15 and the top 10, the racing changes. Those are your top contenders, championship contenders, week in and week out for the race win. The racing kind of changes once you get up there. Uh, you know, it's not quite as slam-bam as 20th through 30th. Okay, yeah, I think she brings up an interesting point, though. Uh, it is, it, you know, a lot of people think that it's very exciting racing. Uh, last week we did see Carson Hosevar take a really hard hit. Um, and these drivers feel like they have to be aggressive in order to go after those victories. Um, and we've said it before, you know, I, and I know I'm a champion of this, but I would rather see them show their skill on the track rather than banging. Uh, I don't mind a little bumping and banging, and like she said, uh, you know, the respectful driving between drivers, uh, bumping and banging, that I'm fine with. It is when they are out and out just bumping people out of their way in order to advance a position. Uh, that I am not in favor of. I think it's a poor display of uh, someone's talent. And it sounds like, based on what she's saying, there's some of that going on uh, in the truck series. Uh, and she'd like to see NASCAR get involved. Of course, we've talked about this before. It's hard for NASCAR to get involved in some of these situations because it's hard to distinguish between sometimes what is a racing incident and what is uh, – intentional uh you know and sometimes the drivers have a hard time with that to be honest uh, she talked about the incident last week uh where she unintentionally uh did something uh that uh you know affected a couple of the drivers they see it as something intentional she sees it as something unintentional so it makes it really hard for nascar to, to uh, be the the referee in those types of situations 
It, it does. And, and, you know, there is a limit to where NASCAR will step in. We heard them uh, address Denny Hamlin over the uh, the radio That's this true. past weekend. Hey, enough is enough. Uh, we've seen it in the past when, uh, you know, a couple of drivers have had things go on a week or two or three. You know, they'll pull them into the holler and say, hey, y'all have had it had it out. Uh, let's settle down, especially when, you, like you said, it affects other drivers. Now, when she says, you know, she says that what happened last week wasn't intentional, the, the situation that comes in then, and I think, Sharon, you've mentioned it, is what does your reputation through the past uh, come yes. into play? Uh, you know, so um, being that she has said she is an aggressive driver and that has been established, it's tough to buy that when you say, okay, this wasn't intentional. Um, and, and I think back, you mentioned the, the hard side-by-side door rubbing, if you will, you know, that, that Kurt Busch, Ricky Craven moment pops to mm-hmm. mind. I mean, those guys banged fenders, bent fenders. I believe the wall was involved there at Darlington, but they both managed to keep going and run side-by-side while doing that. So it can be done, um, you know. It's a matter of how and when you do it. Uh, you know, sometimes, yeah, even the bump and run from behind, the nudge from behind, you want to give them a bump so they slide up the track. Maybe they aren't ready for it. It's in a bad spot on the track, and they lose it. Okay, you just wanted to bump them, or what was it, Dale Earnhardt's quote? I didn't mean to wreck him. I meant to mm-hmm. rattle his cage. Okay, so, <laughs> you know, yeah, you're right. It's tough for, for NASCAR to step in. And, you know, Larry McReynolds always says that you can't judge intent. Um and I don't want to see it go, uh, if you want to talk about that, of, and I, I can't think of what series it is. I don't want to call out the wrong one, but some of the other series have that of stewards, race stewards, that, yeah, you touch anybody, or in my opinion, even come near somebody, and they, they give you a penalty. I don't want to see it come to that. And I don't think, although drivers say, like Haley's saying, she, may, she wants to see NASCAR get involved, what happens when they do? Then you're like, hey, what are you doing? You know, leave us alone. Let us raise. So right. you got to be careful what you ask darned for. If you do, darned if you don't. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just no, no, that, and that, you that's a, you're right. NASCAR, NASCAR's in that position. Uh, you know, uh, there is a line, and like I said, they will step in and at least say something, or if they feel they have to pull somebody aside and, and talk to them, they have. Um, I don't think we want to see that become an overly or a rule or anything, like I said, of having a race steward. Okay. Uh, I would like to get Tommy's perspective on this. I did put it in Hot Topics, uh, and we'll see what Tommy has to say about it. Um, Maybe during our Hot Topics segment here tonight, Jay and I kind of gave our thoughts, uh, and we'll reiterate those uh, kind of in a brief style. But uh, watch for this to be on our Hot Topics tonight as well. Okay, it is now time for us to get to the truck series. <laughs> they are racing this weekend, and uh, they are racing the DoorDash 250 at Sonoma Raceway on Saturday, June the 11th, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. The first for this race is $675,134. It will be televised uh, pre-race coverage starting at 7 p.m. on Fox Sports 1, and then radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. They will be racing a distance of 149 miles over 75 laps. Stage 1 ends on lap 20 for 20 laps. Stage 2 
ends on lap 45 for 25 laps. And then stage three ends on lap 75 for 30 laps. So uh, what do we have here in the truck series for tonight, Jay? Well, we're going to kick off with a country music star, Chris Lane, as he's going to perform a post-race concert on Saturday. His American country singer and songwriter is Chris Lane. will perform on Saturday, June 11th, out there at Sonoma Raceway. The post-race concert will begin at 7 p.m. following the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series DoorDash 250 race, and that'll be at the trackside live stage in the fan zone if you're in that area. Uh, he hails from Kernsville, North Carolina. He had once had visions of a potential baseball career, if you can believe that, but instead turned to music after injuries sidelined his sports aspirations. He created the music album while recovering from his baseball injuries, which helped him capture the attention of Nashville-based Big Loud Records. Okay, so that's going to be exciting for those fans out at Sonoma. Uh, Corey Heim jumps to the Sunoco Rookie of the Standings lead after Gateway. He won that race out there. Uh, the Campaign World Truck Series Sunoco Rookie of the Year Standings had a major shakeup this past weekend at Worldwide Technology Raceway as Corey Heim among the rookies after his overtime win in the Toyota 200. Now, Heim drives part-time for Kyle Busch Motorsports. He's managed to take the lead in the rookie standings, having only run six of the total 11 races so far this season. His control of the rookie title can also be attributed to his other win this season at Atlanta. He also joins Jane Smith as the only other truck series driver with multiple wins this season, as well as being the lone rookie to make it to victory lane. Heim has continued to show speed in his most recent string of starts, scoring three front row starting spots, uh, two top five finishes, and one win at Gateway. The rest of the rookie field is going to have a chance, however, to catch up in the standings, as Kyle Busch is piloting that number 51 KBM Toyota this weekend at Sonoma. Now, before last week's race, Wallace Allen held the lead, in the Truck Series rookie standings. Allen now sits second in rookie points. He drives the number 45 team uh, for the number 45 team for Nice Motorsports. And last week he uh, took them to a fifth top 20 finish this season, the most among four full-time rookies. Being one of two rookies for Nice Motorsports, Allen will go to Sonoma uh, looking to distance himself from his teammate, Dean Thompson as well as gains air ground on the inactive Corey Heim. He's not racing this weekend. As for Thompson, he's going to look to build on a 14th place finish at Gateway. He's also hoping to improve upon being fourth in the rookie standings ladder. Now, Thompson previously finished sixth in his lone uh, start at Sonoma during 2019's Arkham Night Series West race at that track. Jack Wood, the driver for GMS Racing and the native of Looming, California, is returning home to make a headway in Sonoma after a 19th place outing at Gateway last weekend. He sits third in the rookie standings, and Wood is coming back to a track he last raced at in 2019 in the Arkham Menard Series West, where he finished 16th. 
Blaine Perkins of CR7 Motorsports scored a DNF the last time the Truck Series went to a road course at Coda. Uh, he was running into transmission issues three laps into the race. His team hopes for Saturday to not be a repeat of that uh, as Perkins looks to enhance his fifth place standing in the rookie uh, among the rookies after a 22nd place finish at Gateway. So some drivers looking for a rebound there. Some drivers uh, looking to uh, gain some ground. Well, uh, most of the time you're always looking to gain ground, even if you're out front. Uh, now here <laughs> we're looking at some uh, some Cup Series. Mentioned some of the truck drivers running in the uh, West Series for Sonoma to get some track time. Some Cup Series regulars to kick off their Sonoma weekend with the Truck Series. Now, although it's a new track for most of the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series drivers that are entered in this weekend's DoorDash 250, which will be on the Saturday, June 11th, some have already given the road course a go, such as NASCAR Cup Series regulars Alex Bowman, Austin Dillon, Ross Jastain, and Kyle Busch. Now, Bowman will once again be joining uh, Spire Motorsports in the number seven Chevrolet for his second truck series start of the season. His first series start was this season was at Coda, where he finished 25th. He comes into Sonoma with five Cup Series starts at the track, posting two top ten. Dylan, he'll be making his second appearance in the Camping World Truck Series this season as well in the number 20 Young's Motorsports Chevrolet. Now, he has given the Sonoma Road Course a go seven times in the Cup Series as a best finish of 13th place, and that came last year. Chastain, he's been making it a point to keep up his truck driving skills. He's posted four Truck Series starts this year with Nice Motorsports and already proved his abilities with the win in Charlotte. Now, he hasn't been behind the wheel of a truck at Sonoma, but he did post a Road Course Cup Series win at Coda earlier this season and posted a seventh-place finish at Sonoma last year. Now, although Chastain has a good chance to add another Truck Series win to his resume this weekend, Bush isn't going to make it easy on him. Kyle Bush has vast experience at Sonoma with 16 starts, uh, two wins, six top fives, and eight top tens in the Cup Series. On top of that, he's had 164 Truck Series starts with a total of 61 wins, 110 top fives, and 132 as the only driver with a Sonoma win on the grid and with 20 years of truck experience. Uh, He's sure to lead the field there come Saturday. And one other side note is not in here. This is his last race to win a truck truck series win uh, for nine years to keep that streak alive. Wow. Yeah, he's hoping to do that. So he has a lot of incentive there. All That's what right, I was saying. Then. He's going to have a little bit of motivation, so look out. <laughs> well, I think the other motivation is Corey Heim winning last week at uh, in his truck series race. Uh, he wants to come back and keep that uh, momentum going in that number 51. Okay, NASCAR is trucking its way back to Sonoma this weekend, and uh, it'll be for the DoorDash 250 on Saturday. Uh, They last competed at Sonoma Raceway in 1995. In total, the series has made four appearances at Sonoma Raceway from 95 to 98, 
with NASCAR Hall of Famer Ron Hornaday Jr. winning the inaugural race. Dave Resendez won the following year in 1996, and Joe Rutman won in 1997. The last driver to win at Sonoma Raceway in the Truck Series was Boris Said, and that was in 1998. None of the 39 drivers entered this weekend have made a NASCAR Camping World Truck Series start at Sonoma Raceway, but eight of the drivers entered this weekend have made NASCAR Cup Series starts at Sonoma. That includes Todd Bodine, Kyle Busch, Alex Bowman, Ross Chastain, Matt Benedetto, Austin Dillon, and Parker Kligerman. The on-track action will begin Friday, June the 10th at 6.05 p.m., followed by qualifying uh, also on Saturday, June the 11th at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. TV coverage again will start at 2 p.m. Eastern uh, on, I should say, Fox Sports 1. So, uh, wow. Uh, a lot of uh, great racing to look forward to there in the truck series. Yeah, there's some interesting things going on there. You mentioned none of them have truck race uh, experience uh, at Sonoma, but the Cup Series drivers that do or have drivers that have had Cup experience uh, really could shuffle it up. But we've seen over the years, uh, all all the series, the road coursing uh, has improved where we don't have ringers necessarily anymore. Uh, so I think it's going to be a real interesting race. I'm glad to see the Truck Series back out in California. Me too. Me too. We're going to go ahead. I know we're ahead of schedule, but we're going to go ahead and move on to the Xfinity Series. They are not racing this weekend, uh, but they will be racing next weekend. Uh, or is it two weeks? This is the ninth. Yeah, it's probably two weeks they'll be racing the Tennessee Lottery 250 at Nashville Super Speedway. That's Saturday, June the 25th at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. The purse for this race is $1,319,713. It will be televised. Uh, Make sure you mark this down. It's going to be on USA. We're switching over uh, the TV coverage. Uh, it will start at 3 p.m. Uh, with pre-race coverage on USA and radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. They'll be racing a distance of 250.04 miles, over 188 laps. Uh, the first two stages are 45 laps each, with stage one ending on lap 45, stage two on lap 90, and then the final stage ends on the last lap, lap one. 88 for 98 laps. Uh, so, again, these guys aren't racing this week, but uh, we'll give you a few updates here. Well, and first update is the Sunoco Rookie of the Year, and that is Austin Hill, still the driver to beat. The 2022 NASCAR Xfinity Series Sunoco Rookie of the Year class has now 14 races under its belt as they head into this two-week hiatus before Nashville Super Speedway. Austin Hill has led the pack all season long, already clinched his spot with his win in that season opener at Daytona. He currently sits with 416 points, having that one win, six top fives, and seven uh, top tens. Now Sheldon Creed slides in next with 217 points and six top tens. Fitting third is Kyle Sieg, who has 99 points. 
and he's followed by Jesse Awuji with 38 points. Okay, let's talk about the playoff bubble here in the Xfinity Series. Uh, we're at 14 races in, and seven drivers have already in this season's playoffs with their respective wins. That includes Ty Gibbs, Noah Gregson, A.J. Allmendinger, Justin Algauer, Brendan Jones, and Austin Hill. That leaves just five spots that are up for grabs. Now, right now in the eighth spot is junior motorsports driver Sam Mayer. He has a 137-point cushion ahead of the playoff cutoff. And although he has yet to post a win this season, don't be surprised if he joins his JRM teammates, Gregson, Aldauer, and Barry, on this season's winner's list, as he has posted seven top fives and eight top tens so far. Now, sliding into the ninth spot is Daniel Hemrick at 389 points. He has one top five, six top tens, and 20, he's 23 points, uh, just 23 points behind Hemrick is Landon Castle. He's having a career year with three top ten. I'm sorry, three top fives and seven top tens, rounding out the last two spots in the current playoff outlet. Look, are Stuart Haas Racing's Riley Earps. Uh He has a 77-point cushion ahead of the cut line, uh, and RSS Racing's Ryan Sieg. He's 58 points above that cut line. Earps, though, has had a series of rough finishes in the last two. Xfinity Series races, but was previously riding a streak of six consecutive top ten finishes. So he still has plenty of time to get back on track. You know, his best finish this season thus far was a third place at Darlington Raceway. And considering that Darlington Raceway and Nashville Super Speedway are almost identical in length, uh, it's a possibility he'll finally make his way to victory lane to clinch his spot into the playoffs. We'll have to wait two weeks to see if that happens. On the season cut line is Anthony Alfredo. He sits 13th, the first spot that's outside the playoffs, but he's 58 points behind Ryan Seed, who is in that 12th spot. Alfredo scored his first career poll last weekend and is hoping to run well uh, next when he makes his series track debut at Nashville. Alfredo is chasing Sieg in the points, and Sieg made his series track debut at Nashville last season when he posted a 16th place finish. So it's going to be interesting to see how that continues to play out uh, after these 14 races and before uh, the regular season ends. Well, and I'll use that to lead into uh, as that bubble narrows and gets a little tighter, the aggression on the track. We mentioned uh, talking about that later in Hot Topic. So I think that becomes a factor, a bigger factor, if you will, as we go down the road. Yes, indeed. And you mentioned the Xfinity Series has a little bit of a hiatus. They're recharging before they head to Nashville. Uh, the Xfinity Series will have the two-week break before making its way back to the, the track on June 25th at Nashville Super Speedway. That'll be for the Lottery 250. And as Sharon mentioned, it's going to be on USA Network on cable, MRN and Sirius XM Radio. It'll be the 15th race of the season. Now, drivers are coming off an inaugural race at Portland Inter International Raceway. 
that saw A.J. Allmendinger etch his name in the history books as the track's first ever Xfinity Series winner. The win marked his 12th overall in the Xfinity Series and an 8th Series victory on a road course, which is the most all-time in the Series history. Now, Myatt Schneider, who got started in the Xfinity Series back in 2020, after four years in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, posted his best finish of the season thus far, which was a runner-up. Now, although Snyder isn't having quite the year he's hoping for, he might just be developing a knack for road courses, as his best finish this season prior was a sixth place coming at the Circuit of America. Now, fans saw uh, Austin Hill and Junior Motors. Junior Motorsports teammates Josh Berry and Josh Algar, Justin Algar, Josh Berry and Justin Algar, uh, round out the top five there at Portland. Now, all five of these drivers, they'll head into Nashville Speedway with at least one race under their belt, and all but one has posted a top 10 finish at the 1.33-mile track. But if there's any speculation on who could possibly head to victory lane on June 25th at Nashville, uh, Allgaier would have to be at the top of that list. Allgaier has made seven starts at the Nashville Super Speedway, putting up four top fives and four top tens, including a second-place finish coming just last season. And Nashville Super Speedway has hosted a total of 22 NASCAR Xfinity Series races, has produced 15 different pole winners and 14 different race winners. Count. Carl Edwards leads the series and wins at Nashville Super Speedway with five victories. I remember these. 2006, seven, uh, 2007 was actually a sweep, and then he swept again in 2011. Uh, now, it's Joe Gibbs Racing's Kyle Busch that won last year's Xfinity Series race at Nashville, and I don't believe he's going to be back. I don't think he's allowed to smash any more guitars. <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. Uh, we're going to have some extra time here for the um, Cup Series, which is probably good. There's always a lot of information here in the Cup Series, so we're going to go ahead and move on into that series. I know we're way ahead of schedule, but uh, I think we'll need that time. Uh, they're racing the Toyota Save Mart 350. It's Noma Raceway on Sunday. June the 12th, starting at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. The purse is $7,629,830. It will be televised on Fox Sports 1 at 2 p.m. Eastern. And uh, the radio coverage is on PRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They'll be racing a distance of 218.9 miles, over 110 laps. Stage 1 ends on lap 25. Stage two on lap 55, uh, that would be for 30 laps. And the final stage ends on the last lap, lap 110 for 55 laps. So uh, what do we have here for the Cup Series to start off with? Well, as, as always, uh, a lot with the pre-race and celebrities. So first off, it's got Brantley Gilbert is going to perform the pre-race concert. The other one was a post-race. This is a pre-race concert on Sunday. He's a multi-platinum selling country music superstar. Brantley Gilbert will help the NASCAR fans get revved up for that Toyota Save Mart 350 
this Sunday, June 12, as he performs a pre-race concert prior to the NASCAR Cup Series race. All right. Also, another uh, celebrity, San Francisco 49ers, Brett Warner, is uh, serving as the honorary police car driver at Sonoma. Uh, Brett Warner, the San Francisco 49ers all-pro 49er linebacker, is serving as the honorary pace car driver uh, in the Toyota Safe Mark 350. Warner will pilot the official Toyota Camry pace car, which will be leading the 40-car NASCAR Cup Series field to the green flag at 4 p.m. Eastern on Fox Sports 1, PRN, and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. So another celebrity to watch for this weekend. And there's more. Well, and I don't know if you set this up for me to cover this spot here, Sharon, but uh, the WWE superstars, the Bella Twins, are the Grand Marshals named for Sonoma Raceway. And that's uh, Nikki and Brie Bella. They're two iconic female superstars in the WWE. And Sunday, June 12th at Sonoma Raceway, they'll give the command to start engines for that 33rd annual Toyota Save Mart 350 NASCAR Cup Series race. Now, inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2020, the Twins will serve as the Grand Marshals for the event. They join luminaries such as former 49ers, 49ers great Jerry Rice, uh, famed ch- chef Guy Fieri, and current 49ers coach Kyle Shanahan, who have all served in that role. And I, that's a, WWE has made a big partnership with NASCAR here. I know we've had Big E and Lacey Evans uh, – throughout the year, and Seamus, I think, has made an appearance. That's true. Uh, But this is going to be fun, too, this next segment. Race fans are invited to ride and drive Sonoma Raceway during the NASCAR weekend. Race fans looking to take a spin around the 1.99-mile paved road course known as Sonoma Raceway will get their chance during the NASCAR weekend with all proceeds going to Speedway Children's Charities Sonoma, the philanthropic arm of Sonoma Raceway. So that's going to be fun for race fans. Those looking to ride can experience the ultimate adrenaline rush from noon to 1 p.m. with a hot lap around the track. Participants will feel the same speed and velocity as a NASCAR driver while riding as a passenger in an official Sonoma Raceway vehicle piloted by a professional driver. Now, advanced registration is required, and space is limited. So all participants will, assume, will receive a ticket to Friday's race activity as well as parking. In order to register for this, you have to visit www.speedwaycharities.org or contact Courtney Kaiser at ckaiser at speedwaycharities.org uh, to let them know that you're interested. Now, Jay and I have done this at the racetrack. They do media rides uh, with a race car driver uh, during race weekends. Uh, we haven't done it at Sonoma Raceway, but that's got to be a thrilling ride. Yeah, I, I, was, I was thinking that. I think it was Chicagoland, our last visit there, was it not? Uh, road course would be a little bit different. Uh, that would be quite interesting. I know I've been around the track at Memphis and uh, Bristol. Uh, big shout out to Speedway, uh, the Speedway 
charities, charities. Um, for putting that on, putting that on and raising money for them, though. Yes, that's uh, pretty exciting. So, now, uh, when we move, what's that? I was just going to lead into it, but you you already oh, picked good. it up. <laughs> yeah. We talked about this uh, in the other series. This one has a little bit interesting look to it, the playoff bubble. Harvick's outside looking in, and the 12-year streak of making the playoffs is in jeopardy. And he's one of the most consistent drivers in recent NASCAR Cup Series history. Uh, seems to be spinning the tires as of late. Kevin Harvick's last win was in 2020, coming at Bristol, and he has dropped outside that playoff cut line following the Worldwide Technology Raceway uh, in the standings. Now his streak of, at late, of the last 12 consecutive seasons of making the playoffs could possibly be in jeopardy. The veteran Harvick hasn't missed a postseason in the NASCAR Cup Series since 2009, and he is tied with Danny Hamlin, Kurt Busch, and Jimmy Johnson for the all-time most playoff appearances with 15 each. Now, Hamlin and Bush have already won this season, assuring that they will move on to their 16th playoff appearance. But Harvick hasn't won and now finds himself two points behind Tyler Reddick in that 16th and final transfer spot that would come on points. Now, Harvick has has won at Sonoma back in 2017, um, but finished 22nd in last season's race. Thankfully, this season, uh, the track configuration is going to return to the 1.99-mile length and incorporate the chute, which is the same one that uh, Harvick last won on. In total, Harvick has made 20 starts at Sonoma, posting the one win and six top fives. And with that, i got to find some notes on that, and I think we'll put that on our hot topic list, the change to the track. (laughs) There you go. Uh, and this must have been set up for me. Truex gets called Pern back uh, <laughs> at his best track. Uh, a friendly face to Martin Truex Jr. has returned. Joe Gibbs Racing has called on Cole Pern to return to the number 19 team this weekend at Sonoma Raceway, and he was serving as a race engineer, assisting crew chief James Small. Truex and the number 19, occur- 19 team are currently winless in the Cup Series this season, and Sonoma Raceway is one of Truex's best tracks. He leads all active drivers in wins at Sonoma with three. Pern previously served as crew chief for Truex from 2015 to 19, leading him to 24 wins, 70 top fives, 110 top tens, and the 2017 NASCAR Cup Series title before retiring at the conclusion of the 2019 season. A heartbreak for a Hall Truex fan. Uh, Two of Truex's three victories at Sonoma Raceway have come with Pern at his side in 2018 and 19. In total, Truex has has made 15 starts at Sonoma, posting three wins in 2013, 18, and 19, Five top five. He also leads all active drivers in laps led at the track with 213. So uh, Truex definitely one to watch, especially with Cole Pern out there at the track with him. 
Yeah, that's certainly going to be interesting and cause a lot of speculation. And I just added that one to our hot topics, but uh, <laughs> we'll get to that. We got another 17 minutes. Uh, looking at last year, the defending Sonoma winner, Kyle Larson, as he looks to go back to back. Driving for Hendrick Motorsports, Kyle Larson returns to Sonoma Raceway to defend his last season win and try to become just the third driver in NASCAR Cup Series history to win consecutive races at Sonoma. That would include another Hendrick Motorsports driver. He would join NASCAR Hall of Famer Jeff Gordon, who won three straight from 98 through 2000. And then Martin Truex Jr. uh, from had two, uh, 2018 and 2019. Larson grabbed his first and only victory of the 2022 season at the other points-paying track in the state of California, Auto Club Speedway in Fontana. Now the Elk Grove, California native, is looking to get his second win in his home state this weekend at Sonoma. Last season, Larson led 57 of the 92 scheduled laps which is 61.9% at Sonoma. He won the race from the pole position, and that joined an elite group of just four drivers to win a Cup Series race from the pole or first starting position at Sonoma. There again, he joins uh, Jeff Gordon, who did it in 98, 99, and then 2004, Mark Martin in 1997, and Ernie Irvin back in 1994. Now, in seven series starts at Sonoma, Larson has put up three poles, the one win in 2021, and two top tens. Okay, so uh, Pat Larson had his name to the list of drivers to watch this weekend. Okay, World Course Aces to watch at Sonoma. Heading into this weekend at Sonoma Raceway, the NASCAR Cup Series has 12 former road course winners entered in the Toyota St. Mark 350 this Sunday. And five of them are looking for their first win of the 2022 NASCAR Cup Series season. Martin Truex Jr. heads that list, followed by Kevin Harvick, Ryan Blaney, Christopher Bell, and A.J. Allmendinger. Henrik Motorsports teammates Chase Elliott has seven road course wins, and Kyle Larson has three road course wins. And they've been two of the hottest road course, two of the hottest road course drivers over the last few seasons. Elliott leads all active drivers in road course wins, and is currently ranked third in the Cup Series all-time road course wins list, behind Hall of Famers Jeff Gordon with nine road course wins and Tony Stewart with eight. Now, Elliott's teammate, Kyle Larson, the 2021 Cup Series champion, became the first driver in series history to win at three different road courses in a single season. Last year, he won at Sonoma, Watkins Glen, and at the Charlotte Roval. The Hendrick Motorsports teammates finished 1-2 at Sonoma last year with Larson taking the win, giving the organization its series-leading seventh victory at a road course in California's wine country. Now, right behind Elliott on the active NASCAR Cup Series road course winners list are Joe Gibbs Racing teammates Kyle Busch and Martin Truex Jr. with four road course wins each. 
Bush has already won this season on Bristol Dirt, but Truex is still looking for his first trip to Victory Lane this year. Now, Bush finished fifth at Sonoma last year, and Truex finished third, his third straight top five at the track. Watch for both to be toward the front this weekend, as both have wins at Sonoma before. Uh, now, Stuart Haas Racing's Kevin Harvick has two road course wins under his belt. He's taking home a trophy, uh, taking home the trophy at Sonoma Raceway in 2017 and Watkins Glen in 2006. Harvick has made 20 series starts at Sonoma, where he's posted one win, six top fives, and 10 top tens. Joe Gibbs Racing's Christopher Bell has a win at the Daytona Road Course, and College Racing's A.J. Allmendinger has a win at Indianapolis Road Course. They, were the, they are the only two um, drivers not in the Hendrick Motorsports camp to win on the road course in the NASCAR Cup Series last season. But Sonoma has been a challenge for both drivers. Bell finished 24th in his series track debut at Sonoma last year, and Almondinger has competed in the series at Sonoma since 2018. In total, Almondinger has made 10 starts at Sonoma, posting just two top 10s. Now, Team Penske's Ryan Blaney is also looking for his first win this season. Blaney grabbed his lone road course win at the Charlotte Roval, in 2018. Blaney has a knack for Sonoma, though. In five starts, he's posted one top five and three top tens. So um, uh, active road course winners, we've gone through all of them. Uh, the only ones not mentioned here uh, are Kurt Busch, or Joy Logano, and Kurt Busch with one. Uh, Denny Hamlin and Ross Chastain uh, with one. Joy Logano's win came at Watkins Glen. Uh, Kurt Busch has a win at Sonoma. And Denny Hamlin's win came at uh, Watkins Glen. Ross Chastain's win, of course, came this year at Coda. So uh, some interesting stats there uh, for road courses. Well, and when it comes to Sonoma, California, uh, road, Sonoma Raceway in California, NASCAR is coming back, returning wide open. It's for the first time since the COVID-19 pandemic, the NASCAR series returns to a fully wide open Sonoma Raceway for race fans to enjoy the Toyota Save Mart 350. Uh, again, it'll be this Sunday, June 12th, 4 p.m. Eastern, FS1, PRN, Sirius XM Radio. It's the second of six road courses on the schedule for 2022. We got the Circuit of Americas we already had, Sonoma this, week, Sonoma this weekend, Road of America, the Indianapolis Road Course, Watkins Glen, and then the Charlotte Roval all upcoming. Now, Trackhouse Racing's Ross Chastain took that first road course victory of the year in dramatic fashion at the Circuit of Americas earlier this season. Now, as the NASCAR Cup Series heads to Sonoma, California, to wrestle the challenging multi-elevational Sonoma Raceway road course, be the 30 to- 33rd time in series history. Sonoma Raceway was opened as a 2.52-mile multi-elevational paved road course and drag strip back in 1968. 
over the course of its existence, the 12 turn facility has held a few different names, Sears Point Raceway, Sears Point International Raceway, and Infineon Raceway prior to going back to the renamed Sonoma Raceway. The first NASCAR Cup Series race at Sonoma Raceway was held on June 11, 1989, and won by Ricky Rudd. I like these now, bad. Ricky Rudd, uh, he was driving a Buick <laughs> uh, for then-car owner Kenny Bernstein. Uh, so a lot of old-school stuff there. Yes, indeed. Rudd, Rudd ran the race at an average speed of 76.088 miles per hour and led 61 of the 74 scheduled laps, and that was 82.4%. Now, over the years, the format and track configuration has changed some at Sonoma Raceway. The first nine NASCAR Cup Series races at Sonoma were 300 kilometers and then switched to 350K format in 1998. Oh, I lost my page. Oh, there, okay. Uh, the track was reconfigured to 1.949 miles in 1998 with the installation of the 890-foot chute between the original turns four and turn seven. Then the track was configured to 2.0 miles in 2001 and remeasured at 1.99 miles in 2002. Now, in 2019 and 2021, the track was reconfigured back to the original 2.5 2-mile configuration with races being 90 laps or 226.8 miles. This season, though, the Sonoma Raceway will be returning to the track configuration back to the 1.99-mile configuration with with a return of what's called the shoot, a little bit of a straightaway, if you will. Now, there's been 32 NASCAR Cup Series races at Sonoma Raceway since the first race there in 1989, one per season, until they mentioned the 2020, 2020 season. Now, it's due to the pandemic, and the series did not compete out there at Sonoma Raceway. The 32 NASCAR Cup Series races at Sonoma Raceway have produced 18 different pole winners and 20 different race winners. Mentioned him several times, NASCAR Hall of Famer Jeff Gordon leads this series in both poles at five, coming in 98, 99, 2001, 2004, and then again in 2005. He also has five victories, 98, 99, 2000, 2004, and 2006. Um, Of the 18 different pole winners at Sonoma Raceway, three are active this weekend, led by Hendrick Motorsports, but it's driver Kyle Larson, as he has three poles coming in 2017, 18, and again in 19. The other active uh, poll winners, Joey Logano has one in, from 2011, and Kurt Busch from 2006. Now, five of the 20 different Cup Series Sonoma Raceway winners are also active this weekend, and that's led by Joe Gibbs Racing's Martin Truex Jr. He's got three victories coming in 2013, 18, and 19. Uh, second behind him is Kyle Busch with two of 2015 and back in 2008. Mentioned Kyle Larson with the victory last year in 2021. Kevin Harvick came in 2017. And Kurt Busch all the way back in 2011. 
Now, all the on-track action begins for the NASCAR Cup Series at Sonoma Raceway, uh, Saturday, June 11th, from 4.30 to 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, That'll be practice. Is that a practice session? Yeah, it must be because yeah. it's directly followed. Yeah, it by, must be. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. say. Yeah, it doesn't say practice, but yeah, practice session from 4:30 to 5:30 Eastern, followed by the Bushlight Pole qualifying at 5:30 p.m. Eastern, and that'll all be on FS2, not FS1. It says on here FS2, so make sure you check your uh, cable listing for that. Okay. Well, we uh, got it all in tonight, and I'm happy about that. Uh, I do want to give Jay a chance, though, to give us an update on our fantasy uh, group here at Banco Rico uh, and uh, how everybody stands. I know I've had a rough year this year. Although well, I believe it or not, I, last week. that's right, you did. Uh, I can't say you moved to the top, but uh, there were several that uh, were at the bottom that at least picked up victories and moved up. So uh, we'll start with the, the truck series. That one, we got a neck-and-neck side-by-side battle. Andy and Sam are tied at 54. Uh, Mike's at 50, along with Owen, who's at 50. Yeah, this one has three ties in it. James is at 47 points. Brian and Tommy are tied at 44. Sharon, you and I are not tied. I got 32 points. You have 30. So just to (laughs) – I'm still two points from the bottom. (laughs) Yep. Last year, Chuck now was the, my best year. This year, it's down in the dumps. Yeah, it's well, and I know with with nine different uh, players this year, it definitely makes the uh, picks week in and week out a little more interesting when it comes to those final picks. That is true. Now on the uh, on the Xfinity side, uh, this one's been the same pretty much all year. Andy's got eighty points. James has moved into second with sixty three. Tommy's at 60, Jay, that's me, 59, Brian, 55, Mike, 53, Owen and Sharon at 50, and Sam at 47. So with the exception of Andy, that one's uh, pretty close from second through ninth. Andy's got a a 17-point lead on us there. Now on the cup side here, we'll we'll make Sharon smile on this one, hopefully a little bit anyway. Uh, Brian has a 10-point lead. He's got 104 points. Sharon, you are second now with 94 points. Tommy's at 89. Uh, Let's see. I'm at 85. James, 80. Uh, Sam, 76. Owen, 74. Mike, 73. Andy's a little low there at 63. So, again, that mid-pack there is pretty competitive. Overall... Brian does lead at 203 points. Uh, Andy is second at 197. We've heard him at the top of several of them, so six points apart. Tommy's at 193. James at 190. Uh, And we've got a little bit of a gap. Sam's at 177. Oh, I'm not losing to him. Mike and I are tied at 176. Sharon, you and Owen are tied at 174. So there you're not alone down there either. And Mike and I aren't that <laughs> far above you. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much for everything you do to make sure that this goes smoothly uh, for our fan crew. I know everybody has a really good time with it. And 
uh, it, it gives me a different perspective when I'm watching the race because I'm always looking to see, okay, who has picks ahead of me, who has picks behind me, <laughs> and my picks. Well, and like you said, like you said, it, you know, Mike and I have our little battle and, and side bets all the time. Uh, just adds that little bit of, of intrigue to it, uh, you know, and the uh, the fun we have with it. It's been real enjoyable. I enjoy doing this because, yeah, I have a blast with it. Um, I'm glad everybody else is enjoying it. Yes, indeed. Thank you so much. Okay, we're coming up on the top of the hour here. And uh, Tommy Kraft will be joining us shortly. I know, Jay, you've been adding uh, some hot topics. I added a couple hot topics here. Uh, So we'll have a lot to talk about uh, when Tommy gets here. Uh, We've got Cole Pern on the list. Sammy Smith's on the list. The L.A. Coliseum uh, is on the list here. Uh, The Haley Deegan interview is on the list here. Uh, Carson Hosevar and Daniel Suarez, Kevin Harvick's on our list here, and uh, I think that uh, takes us to the to the entire list for tonight. So we'll see what happens. Well, and ironically, I couldn't find a link. I know you and I just read some information on it. Um, I couldn't find the link, other than that what we read from the NASCAR News and Notes. Um, on the, the track reconfiguration, I was looking for some other links uh, to put up there if we oh. want to talk about that, of the reconfiguration well, to it. I mean, I know me, they did it, and you know, we just talked about it, but that's the only portion where I'm seeing anything that I can link to. Okay. Uh, yeah, why don't you copy that and just put that in there? Do you know how to do a, a cut and paste? Or not cut, but okay. cut and from Jason, yep. I can do that yeah. from that J-Ski part. Okay, that'll work. Okay. That'll work. Yeah, just copy and paste it. And then uh, while you're doing that, I'm going to welcome uh, Tommy Kraft uh, to our NASA Hot Topic Sound Off here for tonight. Welcome back, Tommy. Hey, how are y'all? Thanks for having me. Glad to be back home. Okay, well, we're glad to have you here. Uh, Jay and I have been adding topics uh, throughout the show here. Uh, so, and he's adding another topic, uh, one thing that we haven't really talked about and haven't seen a lot of conversation about is the fact that uh, they've recon- they're reconfiguring uh, Sonoma Raceway. So that's what he's adding to the list here. Uh, so uh, uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to check it out, Tommy, but we'll let you kind of start us off with the first hot topic here tonight. Uh, has he posted that link yet? Because I, I haven't seen that yet either. Okay, let me uh, see if that's been posted yet. I don't think so. So go ahead what, and what, what one was of the it other there? topics. He asked if he posted that uh, reconfiguration link yet. No, I'm trying to get it copied here as to how the format uh, to it. Okay, he's he's working on that. So pick one of the other topics, Tommy. Okay, let's go with um, let's go with Carson Hosevar uh, racing Saturday um, injured. Okay, yes. Uh, just to give some background information, Carson Hosevar was injured in the race last week at Gateway, and uh, he had a broken ankle. However, Bob Parkwood has reported that. Uh, uh, Hosevar's doctors have cleared him to race 
and he's good to race in NASCAR's view. However, NASCAR's going to meet with him on Friday to make sure that he's okay to race from a safety perspective. For instance, being able to get out of the car in case of an emergency. And uh, Daniel Suarez is actually on standby uh, in case he can't start or finish the race. So uh, we may see Daniel Suarez uh, if uh, Carson is experiencing pain uh, behind the wheel this week. Uh, because when you're talking about a, a road course, uh, he's going to be using that ankle a little bit more, right? Uh, Jay, are you are you able to talk now, or should I just go ahead? Yep. Okay. Uh, either way, I, I'm your, good. Give your thoughts here. Okay. You, you know, we first heard about that. Uh, we knew he was taken to the hospital and that he did have some, and I guess it was his ankle. I know that initially they just said uh, left uh, left side extremities. Um, it has to do with the ankle. Uh, the first reports that came out said that he was progressing and did intend to at least start the race. It sounds like they, that he really wants to run the entire thing. But, Sharon, you mentioned it on a road course of all things um, <laughs> to have a leg or ankle <laughs> Uh, injury of any sort. Um, I just I hope that he does the smart thing. If he's good to go and feels comfortable, I know that a driver wants to be in the vehicle, but they do have uh, Daniel Suarez, I believe, is still listed as a standby for him. Um, that if need be, he turns the vehicle over because I don't want to see it be a, a long-term thing uh, versus one race. Uh, you know, I understand they're at least wanting to start. Now, the one thing about the a road course is again you can run it kind of your own pace so i would say that there's a little more i don't want to say the intensity is not the same but it's uh it's different um you know, obviously the the shifting in the and the pedal movement is more so but it's also i almost want to say at a more relaxed uh situation than say a half uh short mile like martinsville or bristol where it's corner on and off the gas corner on and off the gas so mm-hmm. I'm sure they'll do the smart thing. You know, I'm glad to hear he's okay and progressing, even that he can consider being uh, getting in the vehicle. Um, and I know, especially in his position, the momentum he's had, the, been running really close. He had a, several second-place finishes. You know, I'm sure that adrenaline and that momentum, he wants to keep that going. So I understand his position. I just, like I said, I hope they're smart about it. Yeah, I, I'm going to echo you the same sentiment. Uh, he's kind of in a, a tough situation here. He, he's been knocking on the door of getting that win or qualifying for the uh, postseason playoffs. And uh, to get an injury at this stage uh, is, is not a good situation for him. I give him kudos uh, for making this effort and getting behind the wheel. Uh, the doctor says he's clear to go. Uh, and I hope it works out for him, but I'm a little bit worried uh, about the, all of the turns or, and everything that uh, is involved with the road course. Uh, it might be a little bit more relaxed, but he's going to get a lot of activity on that ankle uh, during this race. So uh, I'm glad Daniel Suarez is on the standby and that he's there to pick up the, the car in case uh, Carson is not able to finish it. And I, I agree with you. I hope he's smart about this. I don't want to see him uh, experience a more serious injury uh, by doing something that uh, 
um, you know, makes the injury worse. So I, I, I hope it all works out for him and, and uh, he's able to go out there and give a good show uh, this weekend at Carmel Raceway. Uh, but I'm glad he goes on the Saturday uh, just in case. Uh, Tommy, what are your thoughts? Uh, really unfortunate that he uh, got hurt in that wreck last weekend at uh, Gateway on the last lap. Um, he got he spun around and at like the last second somebody plowed into the driver's side, like front left tire. Um, I heard the pre-race or I mean the pre-race, the after race, like audio after he got hit. Um, somebody posted mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. I don't, I don't know if he'll be able to race the whole race with a, a foot injury like that at a road course. That's going to be tough to do. But uh, I mean, like you said, drivers want to be in the car, so um, he's probably going to try to last as long as he can if he doesn't race the whole race. But Daniel Suarez is there, so maybe Suarez can get that team a, a good finish for Hosta Bar, and I'm sure he'll get a waiver if he decides to miss the race. I think I saw that from Bob Pycraft. So, um, trucks are back at Sonoma, I believe, for the first time in a long time, so... And we'll have to try to catch the race on um, on Saturday. Yes. So uh, that's I'm excited about that. Uh, Jay, your follow up. Yeah, not a whole lot of follow up. Uh, again, I, I want the best for him, a uh, long term for his career. I know he's looking right now, right here. Um, just it's one of those you do got to look long term. And, and I know he's got a team around him that's looking at it. NASCAR is always about safety, like you mentioned, Sharon, NASCAR is still going to check with him come Friday um, to see his status. And they, I think they do some type of test of, you know, making sure he's capable of getting in and out of the truck because that's a safety thing. Um, it's not just a matter of being able to sit in the truck. It's being able to get out on your own in the event of an emergency and needed. Um, so that'll be one of the things uh, that they're, they're going to want to look at. So uh, they're doing the, the right thing. Uh, like I said, I, you know, with anything, uh, I go through this with my dad with uh, recovering from surgery. You want to you want to recover and exercise it, but you don't want to push too hard. Exactly, exactly right. Uh, and I don't have a lot of follow up either. I, I'm um, I'm glad that uh, he's recovering well, uh, and I just wish him the best. I, like you guys, I understand why he's doing it, and I get it. Uh, I just want him to be smart about it. So, uh, again, I'm just happy that Daniel Suarez is there. Tommy, any follow-up? I did see on Twitter where some people were griping about the, uh, like, response time a little bit. But, um, I mean, he did just have a foot injury, and they put him on the stretcher, and he gave the thumbs up. So, um, I'm not sure if I was only hearing from fans griping on, on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder what um, Hosevar thought of the response time because I don't think that's been discussed yet. But um, he is close to winning. Uh hope his injury is not too severe because I do want to see him win a race and progress through the series. Um, it's pretty cool how he wears a different hat every weekend. So, um I think he'll, he'll have a decent personality in, uh, in the sport, and I uh, hope his injury's not too bad and that he gets a victory soon. 
Uh, Tommy, are you talking about the response time to get to him and help him? Yes, yes. That's what people were saying on Twitter. Yeah. I noticed that, too. It seemed like they were going to other drivers uh, and helping other drivers before going over to Carson Hosevar. And it took him a while to get that um, window net down. In fact, I think it was one of the responders uh, that put the window net down. So I was a little wondering about that, too. It seemed like, and I know they were trying to respond to several different drivers that were involved in that incident. So it's understandable from a certain perspective. But Carson seems to be the last one. And if you did listen to his audio, he was in a lot of pain. Anybody else want to comment on that, Jay? No, I saw a little bit of the, the post of the incident, and that's one of those unfortunate um uh, Tommy kind of pointed it out, yeah, on, on the final lap spinning, and, uh, you know, everybody scatters, and, and one last truck comes along, and I, you know, I heard him talk about that he, that he had been hit initially, that he had been hit, um, but to see the the impact that he did take, uh, got to give a NASCAR a shout on a, on the safety of the trucks and the teams that build these trucks, because that was a hard, direct driver's side hit um, mm-hmm. that he took, so... Uh, All things considered, big shout-out to safety uh, on that aspect of it. Uh, Tommy, did you have any follow-up there? Uh, No, ma'am. Okay. Uh, Jay, why don't you go ahead and take the next topic? All right. Well, Tommy actually uh, had found one as well there. Talk about the reconfiguration of Sonoma Raceway. And they're taking away what's known as the carousel and making one straight uh, shoot, as they call it, a little bit of a straightaway. And the impact uh, of that, uh, again, it's the reconfiguration to what was the original design. Uh, I don't remember what year we read there where they had uh, put the carousel in, um, but they're going to go back to that this year. And they're also removing the rumble strips. Yeah, I, I found you're right. I added that of uh, coming off of turn 11 to the final. I believe that's turn 11. I don't have a, a track fit configuration layout, but one of the sweeping turns there, uh, and I know I'll talk about it. I watched that part on Race Hub today. Okay. So, Tommy, your thoughts about the reconfiguration here? So, um,. I guess I never got to see a race with the um, carousel until they brought it back in 2019 and 2021. Um, I guess I've always seen it as the um, as the uh, shoot. So um, yeah, I guess uh, I'm guess I'm excited to see it come back. I didn't realize that it was a a big difference like that to people. I really didn't I hate to say it. I really didn't notice the uh, the switch. Um, from, I didn't really notice it over the past two years, honestly. So uh, I'm excited to see it come back. I'll definitely pay attention on Sunday, so that way I, I know what uh, people are talking about. I'm sure Mike Joy will give a uh, like a pre-race talk about it, so that way I'm up to speed. But um, I feel like there has been some good races at Sonoma um, that did have the shoot cause of it. I, I read where it's ran from 1998 to 2018, so... Um, I remember Jeff Gordon dominating there. I don't know how many wins he has there, but I think he has the most at the track. And I feel like 
Robbie Gordon won there once. So, and over the years, I believe I've, I've seen Martin Truex win there. So, um, I don't know who I'm gonna pick for Sunday, but um, I'm ready to see some road course racing. I'm ready to see the driver train to wide in Victory Lane. Yeah, I like the road course racing too, and I'm definitely looking forward to seeing it as well. Just to give some background here, the shoot was constructed. Uh, prior to the 98 race and used in every Sonoma National event through 2018. Uh, this stretch of the raceway connects turn four as the cars approach the top of the hill to turn seven as the cars prepare for the downhill march into the S turn. Martin Drex Jr. was the last driver to win on the shoot layout in 2018. And I think we read earlier that... Uh, Kevin Harvick's only win at that track uh, included the shoot as well. So uh, for those drivers, they've got to be happy uh, to hear that that shoot is back and the carousel is gone. Um, And that has to be an adjustment for a lot of drivers, too, uh, when you reconfigure the track um, to come back the next year and to to race, especially if you've raced there several years, under one configuration to come back the next year and have it be something different is a bit of an adjustment. So I think a lot of these drivers are going to be happy to see that shoot back. Uh, the rumble strips are gone. Um, uh, so I think these are all positive changes. Uh, Jay, what are your thoughts? Well, I have one tough one, and it's hearing Mike in my head. Uh, this is one where <laughs> you gotta you got to give it to him. There, there was the intent with the carousel was more multi-turns thinking it would create more passing opportunities. And I would have agreed with that, but watching a race up today, uh, and I want to say it was Ryan Blaney and I'm trying to, there was another driver they, they talked to and interviewed about it. They said it really didn't create anymore. And by, by the shoot, uh, with that little short straightaway, you could get speed, and it took away a really big one as it leads into the S-turns, as you mentioned, Sharon, the, and the elevation change there. So the chute kind of, uh, they took one away, and it really didn't create the uh, what they thought um, it would with the carousel. So whether it be fans expressing their displeasure or drivers voicing an opinion, NASCARs looked at it and said, okay, we'll change it. So... Uh, like I said, now that I got Mike out of my head, we'll go to the rumble strips. Um, go, yeah, Mike's never out of my head. I know you're saying, thinking it. I can hear it. Um, we love you, Mike. Now, the rumble strips, uh, like I said, I believe it's turn 11. They go wide enough where, and it's not a penalty. So, you know, some tracks we've seen, if you go across these these rumble strips, it's a penalty. That's not a penalty there, and they've paved outside of it most of the time you see drivers going around it anyway, or at least jumping over one part of it into that outside paved area and then coming back across it. So rather than the threat of tearing up cars, they're just going to take them away. That is one that being that I, and I never thought about it before that there really is no penalty. They're not having to stay inside of them. They're not using it to keep themselves inside. Yeah. Why are they there? Uh, So Again, mm-hmm. the threat of, of damaging the car, the little bump there, and it'll make, I, I don't know if you guys can picture it uh, of where it is, but we see that, like I said, they all go wide outside of those strips, rumble strips anyway. 
I think it'll add an extra lane if somebody can check up a little bit and cut to the inside. You might see two or three side-by-side racing there um, and then them funnel into the into the next turn. Okay. Tommy, your thoughts, your follow-up. Uh, well, I don't really have much to add. Um, like I said, I'll have to pay attention this weekend to see the uh, difference. Uh, I know that you just said it. It's like going into turn seven after coming downhill. But, I mean, I just hate to say that I haven't really paid attention over the years like that to it. So, But I'll definitely pay attention this weekend and uh, looking forward to some road course racing. Okay. Those rumble strips uh, that Bob Pockers was talking about, he said at Sonoma this weekend, NASCAR track have removed the rumble strip to the driver's left coming off of turn four, Jay. They used to straddle that curb rumble strip, and and as you mentioned, uh, there was concern of damage to the underbody of the cars. So, uh, yeah, it is in turn four where they are making that change with the rumble strips. Um, and, And that is good. I know those rumble strips have been a problem at some of the tracks and causing damage to some of the cars. Uh, and that's not something that they want to do. Uh, I think their intent was to try to uh, slow the cars down a little bit on some of those uh, tight turns. Uh, but uh, we'll have to see how that plays out without having the uh, curb or the rumble strip there to kind of keep them from veering off of uh, the track. So, um, uh, as far as uh, the shoot, I think it's a good thing that they're bringing the shoot back uh, versus the carousel for all the reasons that you brought up, Jay. Uh, the fact that uh, it didn't really get them what they were looking for, and uh, a lot of these drivers uh, could use that win this weekend at Sonoma Raceway, and the fact that it includes that shoot I think is a positive thing. I think we're going to see another new winner uh, this weekend, that's just my take on. So I think it's a positive thing. Okay. Yeah, I apologize. Like I said, I, I don't know why I had turn eleven in my in my mind. Uh, but you mentioned it, it. If they're bigger and banked, you know, you kind of use it as banking to, to hook yourself. But the drivers weren't. They were jumping it and coming back across it to get back on mm-hmm. track anyway. So yeah, I, I see that as a a non-factor. <laughs> Excuse me. Now, the shoot thing, uh, like I said, I was surprised to hear that that it was the drivers that were saying, hey, you took away a good passing opportunity. Uh, give us that straightaway going, going into the corner. Uh, it gives you the opportunity of, of outbreaking them, whoever can drive in deeper or figure out how to, how to take that next corner. Um, so I'm glad they listened. Uh, that's one where, I, you know, like I said, I, I'd have to agree with Mike. There was some concern. It was expressed. And they looked at it and they said, you're right. It, it didn't work. We're going to change it back. Um, but to me, like I said, I, I really, I would have been with NASCAR and thought the, the opposite, that the carousel would have provided more, more cornering and opportunities. And I know, like I said, Ryan Blaney said, no, it took one away. And there really wasn't the other ones because you didn't, you couldn't build up that speed and then outbreak them. Um, so the carousel, you had to already be right there on their bumper in order to try and make that move. The shoot allows you that opportunity to build up speed and try and create it going into the into turn five. Then I guess it is um, by all breaking them. So uh, I look forward to some great action. And you know, Tommy, you mentioned uh, Mike Joy, the broadcast team. I'm sure pre-race, especially and during the race, they'll probably highlight 
where they've removed those rumble strips, uh, and then the difference there in the layout of taking away the carousel and what the chute creates. Okay. Um, so, Tommy, it's your turn to pick the next up. All right, let's go with the um, let's go with LA Coliseum, likely to host the uh, NASCAR Clash again. Okay, uh, Jay, your thoughts. Yeah, it's expected. I mean, how can you not? We talked about the the huge uh, impact of it, how well it went, which, uh, again, I was a little surprised at how well it did uh, go and the track held up, the action we got on it. The only thing that concerned me is the price tag uh, I saw attached to it. You know, to, to put that on the cost it takes to put that into the Coliseum or any other track that's not built for it, just like putting dirt on Bristol. But NASCAR's obviously looked at it and feels it's worth the investment. It's one of those with the huge success, and, and this goes back to Gateway as well. You got to give it three years. I say minimum of three years, three to five years. So I, I see this happening for the foreseeable future uh, and whether that trend continues. The inaugural first time, always a Well, hopefully, if it's not a success the first time, you're in trouble. But um, the excitement with it, led you to believe that, that it'll maintain. So we'll have to see. Like I said, I like the fact that they're giving it the opportunity to grow and sustain um, before they make a decision and pull the trigger. Uh, like I said, my only, my only concern is, is the cost of it, and I understand that, um, but they apparently feel it pays off. Yeah, I think they're, they're seeing a return for their investment there. Uh, it is a big cost. I did read, uh, I remember reading uh, after this one that they were stockpiling a lot of that dirt uh, nearby so that they would have access to it, uh, you know, for the next year and possibly, uh, you know, two, maybe. I doubt, I don't know if it's going to go three years or not, but at least the next year or two, uh, they'll be able to draw from that stockpile of dirt. But uh, it's a lot of labor, it's very labor intensive. And uh, that's why I think a lot of the cost is going to come in. So um, the other point that I wanted to make is one of the things that I think made the L.A. Coliseum as successful as it was, uh, and I think they could do it better than what they did last year, uh, is the entertainment value uh, that they can bring to that venue. Um, They they had uh, a lot of uh, star power. And uh, it, it was good. I don't think it was great. I think they can improve upon that uh, in this coming year. And I think a lot of the tracks are learning from that experience that bringing the start power to the track and the entertainment value uh, for the fans uh, has a big reward for them. Uh, fans are willing to pay the higher price as long as they get something for their money. What's hard is to pay that big price, that big uh, ticket price, and uh, you're seeing the race, but there's not that entertainment value beyond the race. And I think what they've started to do very successfully and very well is to bring that entertainment value to the front. So, uh, and I think that was kicked off uh, with what they did at the L.A. Coliseum. Um, And like I said, I don't think they did – a, a great job with the entertainment value there. They had great entertainment 
uh, choices, okay, but I think they, there's room for improvement. So I'd like to see them uh, maybe make some of those improvements, uh, especially with the great uh, star power that they brought uh, to the table there. So uh, with that, uh, we'll go to Tommy and get your thoughts. Well, I thought it was a great race this year, so I'm excited to hear that it's returning. Um, I'm not so sure, you know, it, I wonder if they considered other places before they jumped right back in. But uh, uh, either way, I'm excited for them to go back. I really like this year's race there. Um, the only other place that I could think that I would want it to be at would be Daytona, the, uh, you know, original Bud shootout. The road course was good a few years ago there. But um, I really, I guess, like to stick to tradition and would have preferred them to keep uh, the Bud Shootout uh, with the uh, the Oval, uh, and you get the full speed week at Daytona. But the Bush Clash was uh, it was really entertaining. So um, I wonder if they're going to consider in the future other cities that they could do it at, or if they'll experiment with something else. But um, you know, time will tell on that. But uh, I'm. Looking forward to them doing it again um, next year there. I don't think he confirmed it, or, or did he confirm it? I think he just said that uh, they're likely to do it. Why not? Because it was a huge success. But I don't think it's confirmed. But it seems like it's going to head that direction. But um, just looking forward to it again. Okay. I'm going to jump in here with an announcement real quick for our first listeners. We're coming up to that 1030 mark. I mean, we're going to go off the air at exactly 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time, uh, a.m., uh, 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And uh, we are going to continue our conversation here on Hot Topics. That will be part of our bonus overtime material on our podcast. So what will happen is even though we go off the air, we will continue to record. I will go out on Twitter and let you know that the podcast is available. So at that point, you can go to the podcast player uh, at com or at Blog Talk Radio and fast forward to the two-hour mark in order to hear the rest of that bonus overtime material. So, again, we don't want anybody to be caught off guard uh, with us going off the air here subsequently. So with that, uh, I guess it's uh, – whose turn is it? Jay? Your follow-up. Yeah, uh, got a got a couple of follow-ups there. First off, if we're going off at 10:30 a.m., uh, I've been at the track till late in the morning a couple of times. 10:30 is really stretching it. I think 7:30, 8 a.m. is a, as long as I've been uh, been on the air on radio or on a microphone. But um, yeah, yeah go, going with your going with your comment, Sharon. There, and I, I don't know if you heard it or feel it, but I, again, I kind of heard Mike there. I understand what you're saying of, of improvements that can be made. And, and I will say this, uh, from what I remember there, it was the pre-race for the Coliseum. It was the issue I saw was a, a hiccup with production. When they did the mm-hmm. Hall of Fame driver or introductions, they were off cue. They weren't ready backstage. They weren't coming out as they were announced. There was some, call it miscommunication, that did look really bad. That was one where I have to say I noticed it. It was really bad. Um, like I said, I think that was just kind of a miscommunication, miscues with the production team. 
I am personally one, when I look at it, of I want to watch the race. And it was a great race. I, I like the short track action. When it comes to the event status and the star power they bring, yeah, if there's somebody there that I'm a fan of, I like it, but I'm also going to be there if it's not. Now, I understand I'm not the only one that matters. So if that is necessary, especially in a market, and you, you talked about that, that market marketable area, and NASCAR's been looking at that. That's why we're in Nashville. That's why we've gone to Las Vegas. That's why we've gone to the Coliseum of capitalizing on that and using that to bring in more fans that are then become race fans. You know, maybe they are showing up just to see so-and-so sing, but then they're going to be like, hey, this racing thing's a good deal and become invested in it. So I, that's not something I get into. Like I said, uh, we, we talk about the, the pre-race activities. I'm just, I'm there for the racing. That's me. Uh, you know, Jay Hoosman, that's, like I said, if they don't have any pre-race, I'm okay with that. I'm there for the racing. But I understand the addition that that sells to certain fans, families, whatever it be. So I understand that. And, if, you know, if you're saying that you think it can be improved, I take your word for it because, like I said, to me it doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, there were, there were some production hiccups in that broadcast, and I don't know why or how or what the, what the reason was. You're right. There's always, and you talk about it, Scott Miller talks about every race. They do the hot wash on, well, I think he said, what, Tuesday or Wednesday, that they mm-hmm. talk about how things went, what they can do better. And, and, you know, in this case, they've had a year. And, no, it's not beneficial yet, been announced officially yet. Um, but, like I said, I felt like we all saw it coming because it, it just was such a huge success. I don't see how you could not continue it. And I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I agree with you guys. The racing was great. Uh, and that's why we all go to the race track is to see the racing. Um, I just think that especially uh, with the economy being what it is, uh, fans are looking for uh, the value that they get for every dollar that they spend. And I just think that that's uh, what they're doing at the racetrack for bringing in the star power and, and giving an entertainment value. Uh, for the buck that's being spent by fans uh, is a very positive thing that NASCAR is doing, kind of not just at the L.A. Coliseum, but at the, so a lot of these other tracks as well. Um, and so I think that's a good thing. Um, and it does exactly what you said, Jay. They might come to see, uh, you know, who the singer is, uh, but then while they're there and they watch the racing, they might kind of, the bug's going to catch them. I know uh, that's what really kind of grabbed me is once you see a race, it pulls you in and you want to see more. So uh, I think it's, it's, it has a lot of positives to it. Uh, I thought the racing was great at the L.A. Coliseum. Uh, if we're thinking about other venues for the future, uh, uh, let me just say first, I think uh, in order for them, NASCAR, to get the value for the money that they've already put into it, uh, I think it's, it's important that they do stay there for two to three years uh, in order to get the value for what they're spending. So I don't want to see them move it very quickly. Uh, I want to see them be at the L.A. Coliseum. They're going to hit that saturation point where fans are tired of it there and they're looking for a new venue. That's going to happen 
uh, whether it happens after two years or three years, I don't know, but uh, it's going to happen. Um, some other venues that I think uh, would be kind of cool to see, I don't know if it'll ever happen, uh, but they used to do racing at Soldier Field in Chicago. Um, I think that would be kind of cool. Uh, I don't know, how, you know, if they can do it at the L.A. Coliseum, surely they could do that at Soldier Field as well. Uh, whether or not that's the market that they're looking for uh, is going to be the issue there, I think. Uh, so I say that from a selfish perspective, uh, you know, being, uh, you know, from the Chicago area. But um, there are a lot of other venues, too. A lot of people talk about Bowman Gray, uh, which is a really short track as well, uh, and a historic location for NASCAR. Uh, I think there's all kinds of different uh, locations uh, that NASCAR could be considering, but I think they are looking for those venues uh, that can bring in new viewership to the sport. So that's something to keep in mind here as well. So with that, Tommy, you get the last word here. So, yeah, the only problem with Bowman Gray is that it's, it's really small in Winston-Salem, it's North Carolina. It's super small. But, but, yeah, it would be really cool if they um, if they went there. I would not be against that. It is what uh, they consider uh, historic for NASCAR, so that would obviously be a really good place for them to go. Um, I really don't see that one happening, but it's a good good one to think about. And who knows? I mean, they made LA Coliseum happy and happen, so you might never say never. But um, I like the road course, and I also kind of like um, maybe even Charlotte. But um, other than that, like, your Chicago uh, Soldier Field's cool. Or um, what about doing, like, you know how they were going to do a road course in Chicago or something? Maybe consider that, mm-hmm. but I'm with Street you guys. Um, yeah. But I am with you guys on, um, you know, improving it. Because I do remember what you were talking about now with, like, Jeff Gordon and all the athletes there and the timing was off. That was really weird. But other than that, it was it was pretty good in my opinion. And, um, you know, next year obviously it will be better. And then – you know, either you can continue to build or you just go somewhere different. But um, either way, looking forward to them returning there. Okay. Uh, Jay, it's your turn to bring up the next topic. Well, I'm going to skip one on our list here. Uh, I'll let Sharon, I'll let you bring that one up. I'm going to move up to Sammy Smith, uh, Arkham and Ard Series driver for an affiliate, I guess, down the line of Jill Gibbs Racing going directly into getting eight Xfinity Series starts. Okay. Tommy, your thoughts about Sammy Smith from the Arkham and Art Series. Um, he's won several races in the Arca East. Uh, he won the – did he win the championship last year? I'm thinking he did. Yes, he, yes, he did. He, yes, he did. He's won a lot of races in the ARCA series, uh, particularly the ARCA East. So, uh, Tommy, your thoughts about uh, Sammy Smith? Uh, I'm not really too familiar with him yet, but um, I heard you guys say that he's in the ARCA series, so I guess he's working his way to the top. Um, 
it'll be a good experience for him, and he'll be in top equipment. So I guess we'll see um, if he does what Ty Gibbs last year did in his select um, uh, races with Joe Gibbs. So um, really good opportunity for him, and I did. I actually think I did see where he has won some ARCA races, actually, but um, I'm still not too familiar with him. I don't really watch the ARCA series. I mostly watch um, uh, the Truck Series, Xfinity Series, and um, Cup Series. I don't even really watch IndyCar F1 either, strictly those three series. But, um, yeah, um, I did actually watch Ty Gibbs like two seasons ago in the ARCA series when he wanted the, uh, I think he wanted the Daytona road course actually. And then he actually won the next year in the Xfinity series in his first start. So, but other than that, ARCA race, I don't really watch it, but, um, it seems to be whoever's in the Joe Gibbs equipment in the ARCA series is really good. So I'm sure he'll be next in line to Joe Gibbs and he's got uh, a good opportunity uh, for those eight races. Okay, I'm a little bit more on the mixed uh, thoughts here about uh, going directly into the Xfinity Series from the Arkham Menard Series. I think Ty Gibbs is kind of the exception, uh, and there have been drivers that have done it, uh, but it's not easy to go from the Arkham Series directly into the Xfinity Series. Um, but on the same hand, you see the drivers like uh, Sheldon Creed who went to the truck series, and now he's in the Xfinity series, and he's struggling uh, coming from the trucks into the Xfinity series. So I do think for some drivers it probably is a good idea. Um, uh, Sheldon Creed, obviously, a, a Camping World Truck Series uh, champion, um, but struggling in the Xfinity series. A lot of people thought we would see more from him this year and it's uh, been more of a challenge. So he might be an example of a driver who, uh, you know, going to the truck series before coming to the Xfinity series um, might not have been a good idea for him. He maybe should have come directly to uh, the Xfinity series. But I also recognize that it's not easy to do that either. Uh, uh, you do see drivers like uh, Riley Herbst who uh, – has done some races in the Xfinity Series. Uh, He's driving full-time in the Xfinity Series, and he has done some truck series racing, uh, but it's taken him a little while, too. So I'm not sure yet if coming directly into the Xfinity Series is a good idea or if it's better to go to the truck series. I, I, I have mixed emotions about that. So I hope he does well. Uh, I hope he is one of these drivers that's going to be like Ty Gibbs because we need more of that uh, coming up into the ranks. Um, And uh, and, uh, it's going to be fun to see what he does in those eight races that he's coming into. So, Jay, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm glad I'm not alone there, Sharon. Uh, Great opportunity for him. I hope that he makes the best of it. Now, when you talk about the Arkham Menard series, and I don't know how much of a difference the, the East series is from the regular Arkham Menard series. I know they run some combination events, but then you normally see the main Arkham Menard series and drivers prevail. I say normally. Um, so, yeah, to, to go from the East series itself um, to, to the Xfinity series, 
Yeah, I, I just again I have that that uh, little bit of caution. You know, he clearly, for when it comes to the Arkham Menard Series East, has nothing left to prove. Uh, you mentioned he did win the championship last year. Uh, I'd have to look up how many wins he had. I know he started the year with two. Uh, he's got, what, three out of the four so far this year. So he's he's maxed out on the, on the East Series. There's no doubt about that. Maybe they don't have a spot for him in the Arkham Menard Series. They got some Xfinity spots they needed to be filled, and it worked out. Um, my concern is, as you mentioned, then of moving them up too quick um, uh, before they're ready. Uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, like I said, I, I'm excited about it. It's a great opportunity for them. I just hope that, like you said, it, it isn't a misstep. But you mentioned it. It's tough to tell. You know, going to the truck series, drivers do good there and don't in the Xfinity series. I know you use Sheldon Creed as an example. We saw, though, Jimmy Johnson not do relatively anything in the Xfinity series, come up via seven-time champion. Jeff Gordon the same way. Mm-hmm. I think he only had one win in the Xfinity series. Uh, wasn't really a standout other than somebody just noticing his driving talent. Uh, so, so that's the key factor, and I think we can see the talent of Sammy Smith. So I, I certainly uh, don't, wouldn't say it's a bad move. We'll just see how it pans out long-term future. And, again, uh, Toyota's got several they invest in. Uh, I don't know where they're going with them uh, unless they start, unless Danny Hamlin's <laughs> needs are met, needs and wants are met, and they expand 2311, I guess. <laughs> okay, Tommy, your follow-up. Yeah, I'm sure he is young, but it will still be a good experience for him to get this um, start um, in the, those eight races in the Xfinity Series. And that that car this year is kind of be like um open car. They've been rotating guys in and out. So I um, uh, wonder what they'll do next year, um, if they'll make it full-time again or if they'll do the Dream Team car. But a uh, good opportunity for him and uh, – Maybe he makes the most of it and snags the win, um, but uh, uh, time will tell. Yeah, I agree with you, Tommy. I think this is a great opportunity for Sammy Smith, and it's just uh, it's just a matter of time. Uh, and that's what that's the reason uh, Joe Gibbs Racing is doing this is to find out where he is and what the next steps might be uh, for a driver like Sammy Smith. Uh, he's certainly talented. We know that. Uh, so we'll have to see uh, how time tells the rest of the story here. Uh, and that's all I really have left to say. Jay, do you have anything more? Well, and, and I think, uh, as you mentioned it, uh, they're, they're in a bit of a box. Uh, like I said, Toyota, Joe, Joe Gibbs Racing together, they have the talent like Sammy Smith, Corey Heim, Ty Gibbs, uh, these drivers they've had in their development program, they're to that point where they're going to move somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. So if Toyota or JGR doesn't move them, it kind of opens that window where they might lose them that they go somewhere else. So I think that's kind of, again, they, maybe they don't have the truck available. Um, I know Corey Himes been making the most of his starts with, uh, with Kyle Busch Motorsports, picking up uh, two victories. So, yeah, they've they fi- got to find somewhere to go with him. Um, to make sure if they're going to keep investing in him long-term and to keep him happy as far as that. So, because like I said, I mean, he has pretty much over the past two years now dominated the Arkham Menard Series East, 
there is nothing left for him there to prove. Um, and you get to a point where I don't know that you're learning anymore either with with that. So moving up to that next level of competition is, is a must at some point. And he's certainly at that point. So we'll see how it plays out. I'm excited. Like I said, I'm excited for it because um, we've seen his talent. So like you, like you said, we saw Joe Gibbs come in and win multiple, or not Joe Gibbs, Ty Gibbs, come in and win multiple races in, in a slotted few races um, there in the Xfinity Series last year. We'll see if Sammy Smith can kind of do that same thing. Okay. Um, okay, so I guess we'll move on to the next topic. Jay left this one for me, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, – um, well, there's two of them that I want to bring up here. So for time's sake, let's go ahead and talk about uh, uh, what Haley Deegan is talking about. Uh, there's just three of them I wanted to bring up. Okay. Um, let's talk about what Haley Deegan had to say about the um, racing in the Camping World Truck Series and the aggressive nature of racing in that series. Uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to read it. Have you had a chance to read it, Tommy? Oh, yes, ma'am. I read over it um, right before uh, the podcast. Okay. Uh, then, Tommy, we'll go ahead and start with you then. Okay. So in that um, conversation, she's referring to um, the truck series and how there's not really any structure, and she kind of refers to the incident. Um with um, a freezing over this past weekend at uh, at Gateway. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I would say that um, I want to see her succeed in, in, in the sport because, you know, Danica Patrick um, was kind of, even though she didn't really have the um, results on the track, a lot of people did support her and I would love to see a female athlete do really good in, in the series and um, she's kind of struggled um, last year and this year. She does have a few good runs from this year and last year but um, uh, the incident with Stuart Friesen, I don't know what happened I just saw where Stuart Friesen ran her off the track. I think she said that she got loose um, behind somebody and kind of got hit involved in it and that was the reason for the retaliation and then she says that she thinks that you know NASCAR should step in like if it's an accident um, they really shouldn't have to you know get payback from the other driver but if it was on purpose then don't intervene or something so you know I don't really know about that I think that it doesn't really need to change honestly um, i I kind of agree with what Larry Max said, though, in regards to Denny Hamlin. If you're going to wreck somebody, wreck them. <laughs> so uh, that's my stance on that. But um, I hope she turns it around and that she does starts doing good and gets some and gets some good runs in. Okay, Jay. I know we talked about it earlier in the show, uh, but uh, let's hear your thoughts about it as well, if you want to. Yeah, I'll try and do a. It. Yeah, I was going to say I'll try and do a quick recap. One, I mean, the truck series is, again, you're talking about it is one of NASCAR's top three levels, depending on what background you come from. Um, She coming from off-road trucks and short track racing, 
kind of brings that with her, in my opinion. Um, and, and then where she's running right now, that 20th on back uh, is a little bit different racing than as you get to the top 10, top 15, top 10, top 5. So as she progresses, and it is, I know a lot, of, a lot of them don't understand this, and that's why it's great to have veterans like Matt Kraft and Grant Infinger, Johnny Sauter, still in the trucks to bring mm-hmm. these younger drivers along. Um, the more I thought about it, and I know when I, when I brought it back up uh, before during the preview show, though, part of that is being generated, and the truck series is one of them, you're looking at that cut line, wins may not get you in. And the truck series, uh, it's only 10 spots um, that get in. Um, so that must-win situation also builds to that. And I say as the season, I mentioned, as the season winds down and those spots get tighter and tighter and you're not going to make it in on points and your only option is a win, your aggression level is going to go up. I mean, it's natural. That's your, your last chance. You know, in football, you get to the point where you've got to throw that Hail Mary. Throw it up and hope somebody catches it. So we might be seeing that already picking up as these drivers were in a spot where, hey, their consistency wasn't quite good enough that they were afraid they were going to miss it unless they get that victory. So, like I said, that's going to increase that, that aggressive, aggressiveness on the track as well. Uh, I don't see it as, uh, how did she refer to it, or the – reporter that announced it of you know go to the wild wild west anything goes um i think we still have that at bowman gray uh we mentioned earlier but i don't see it as quite that bad there in the truck series um i'm not saying that that there's not some but i don't think it's quite that wild yet okay and then the only thing i'll kind of add to that is is uh that she talks about she wishes uh, NASCAR would take more of a disciplinary role uh, because a lot of times uh, people start to think that that's okay, just like a, a kid uh, thinks it's okay unless they're disciplined and told that some of the things they're doing are wrong. Um, and and Jay and I, when we talked about it earlier, that is so hard for NASCAR to do. Uh, and Larry Mack talks about it too. You can't what, how did you say it, Jay? You, you can't uh, judge intention. Uh, right. Because... Yeah, you can't judge intent. Exactly. So how does NASCAR do that? Because in the incident that they talk about here between Friesen and the number 42, um, uh, is that, you know, one Haley says that she did it unintentionally. Of course, those guys look at it and they see intent. So how does NASCAR make that distinction between what was intent and what wasn't intent, what was accidental? Uh, I think that's putting NASCAR in a really tough spot there. Uh, And that's why I think they went to a little bit of the drivers have at it kind of thing um, as far as trying to manage that. That's tough to manage, bring it out. Uh, NASCAR has stepped in in instances where it's necessary, like telling Denny Hamlin uh, just this past week to cut it out. Uh, he made his point, and he needs to back off. So they will intervene um, when they see a need to do that. Obviously, they haven't seen that need in the truck series, so they haven't done it. And I think a big reason why they haven't is it's so hard uh, to make those kind of judgment calls. Uh, 
that she's asking for here. Uh, I get where she's coming from, but uh, it, it's asking a lot of Matt Starr to step in and to take that role of being a referee. So, Tommy, uh, any follow-up? Well, I don't really have any. I don't have much to add. Okay, Jay? <laughs> well, I always got thoughts. And the only part that I didn't recap from earlier and again, it's another series I'm not going to name, but they have a racing steward, and that's what they make a call whether they think something was, somebody was blocking, touching. Um, I know there was there's rules to it, but yeah, you're right. You don't be careful what you ask for, because then you're going to be on the other end of it and, and have a call go against you and be like, hey, why is NASCAR being involved in this? I, I just don't. You know, another Larry McReynolds one of you're going down a slippery slope. I know we all use that on here a lot. Uh, that's a tricky, tricky one to to maneuver by putting NASCAR in that judgment position. You know, they always ask it's a black and white. You know, we don't want it to be a judgment call, such as restarts or anything else. Um, don't ask for it, then you be careful. <laughs> exactly, be careful what you ask for. And NASCAR's in a no-win situation here. If they do it, fans are going to be upset that they're doing it. If they don't do it, then you've got other people that are upset that they're not doing it. So it's it's uh, one of those situations where NASCAR can't win either way. We'll let that be the final word here tonight, and we'll go ahead and do our roundtable. Tommy, we'll start with you. Um, at Stint95Fan on Twitter, give me a follow. Um, I've been posting my diecast. i got a lot of good little 164 throwbacks that I post every day. Uh, so give me a follow and uh, take a look at them. Okay, Jay? Yeah, there were definitely some throwbacks on there here as as of recent. That's for sure, Tommy. I like that. Uh, you can follow me, uh, Michael Hoosman, on Facebook, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. We talked about flow racing uh, throughout the night here as a part of the short track racing. They're going to be here. A representative will be here. I know they got people all over the, the country. At the baddest bullring in the South, Columbus Speedway, is the XR Southern All-Star Super Late Models are going to be here. And I'll be joining Dwayne Keith in the booth. Okay. Oh, yeah. One, 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 one other thing. The reason I'm not at Jackson Motor Speedway, your capital city raceway, the owners there are up at Eldora. <laughs> they went up for the million. <laughs> the Eldora million. Okay, and that race uh, was taking place during our radio show. I don't know if we have any results from it yet or not, but um, uh, I'm sure it's a fun replay to watch uh, for sure. Okay, Tommy, I have really enjoyed your date uh, postings where you you uh, take your your diecast and create the date uh, each each day. I think that's pretty awesome. Uh, but uh, and, and you do see some great throwbacks in there uh, as you're doing that. Um, I am Fan for Racing Sites on Twitter, Fan for Racing Blog, and Radio Everywhere else, including FanForRacing.com, where we have our player uh, for our radio show. You can listen to live broadcasts or the podcast via that player. Uh, and uh, I'm really looking forward to the racing this weekend at both Sonoma Raceway and Iowa Speedway, uh, a track I really enjoyed in the past and have gone to, 
and uh, I can't wait to see what happens uh, uh, with all of the races this weekend. So uh, definitely looking forward to uh, the racing action on the track. A big shout-out to our listeners and to our Fan for Racing crew uh, for all that you do. We appreciate people tuning in to hear what we have to say, and we appreciate our Fan for Racing crew for uh, sharing their thoughts and, and perspectives here at Fan for Racing Radio. So thank you for, for all of that. And that, guys, I think we're ready to call it a night. Hey, Sharon, can I give a couple of shout-outs here real quick? Sure. Uh, there are a couple that I know we've had on and they have made NASCAR truck series uh, starts on dirt. The Winfield Warrior, Mike Marler, finished second in his heat, and the high side stickler, Kyle Strickler, uh, finished fifth in his heat. And that was all I was able to find real quick while you were, were talking there. But those are two I know we've talked about on the show and have run some of the NASCAR truck series dirt races. Um, at Bristol, and well, I think we'll see two of them at Knoxville as well. Well, and those guys are in that Eldora Million, right? Yeah, that was a a Heat One. Yeah, sorry, Heat One from Eldora. Uh, So that's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Thanks for the update. Okay, with that, guys, I guess we're ready to call it a night. All right, have a good night. Good night, everyone. Good night, everybody. We'll see you on the other side.